Welcome back to the Science Fiction Film Podcast by LSG Media. I'm your host, Dean. I'm Matthew. And on this week's episode, we bring you The Lost Boys from 1987, directed by Joel Schumacher. Here's how we're starting this off, Matthew. I'm going to tell you this right now. Jason Patrick, he'll steal your girlfriend. He'll fuck her. Oh, for sure. Oh, he'll fuck your girl. No question. That's going to happen. So it doesn't matter what you think. He's going to fuck her. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. He's going to fuck her not once, but two times, Matt. Twice. Do you know about that? your girl. From the vampires themselves. Two times. What a a flip. Yeah. He ain't fucking around. He's going to fuck your girl two times. I'm not making a joke. You're sitting here going, boy, he's really on this. True story. Not only does he bang Star in this film, Uh David's girl, he he goes ahead and... Oh, he bangs pretty woman, Kiefer Sutherland's wife. Wait, for real? Oh, yeah, he's going to get your girl in the movie. He's going to get your girl in real life with them luscious lips. She's doomed. And Kiefer Sutherland's pretty hot in this, right? He's got that bad boy kind of hotness. To be real. Yeah. Hot as shit. In all black with the leather gloves. That voice. I'm down. I would have smashed the shit out of Kiefer if I was a girl. Are you kidding? (laughs) Especially the way he says, Michael. That deep voice. Michael. Yeah. What do you mean they're at? What do you mean they're maggots, Michael? What do you mean they're worms? Come on, dude. This movie? Listen, I don't even care, okay? I love this movie. Yeah. There we go. There we go. It's done. Out I'm the in. Gate. Out the gate. I love this movie. Okay, that's just the way it's going to be. Okay. Done. So, uh, right. look, it's going to be great. I'm going to come out. It's going to be terrific. It's going to be the most, the most luxurious Lost Boys coverage <laughs> Gold-plated gloss <sighs> boys. That's true. Okay. You, you know I have a thing for Dirty Foot Gypsies, right? Where do you think that comes from? Oh, this right 100% here. 100% from Jamie Gertz. Kid. Are you the kidding? Second I, the second I saw her, and I've seen this movie before. I've seen this movie plenty of times. Uh, it, it was a staple for me growing up, especially the, among my, my horror movie phase, which was a long time. Uh, but it's been a while since I've watched it, and the very millisecond star appeared on screen. Did you shout my name? Curly- <laughs> with the curly hair down to her butt and the fucking no shoes and the skirt I was like oh my god it's the girl Dean's ripping ropes just the second she shows up on screen <laughs> can't help himself I am not saying that I would like say intentionally push a bus off a cliff full of the elderly to sleep with her but I am saying if you gave me the trolley test and all I had to do was pull the lever and it divert the track off the cliff. I might actually kind of like, oh, whoops, and trip into the lever and watch them kind of go tumbling off over the edge and say, you guys live a great long life. <laughs> it's, it's all right. It's fine. We're, your family still love you. It's crazy. <laughs> Medicare is so expensive. <laughs> when they crash. Oh, uh, yeah, I get it. You guys are in the war. That's cool. You're all nice. <laughs> yeah, your generation's better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that uh, uh, yeah and that's it i would be in that goddamn vampire cave that night totally with my windex 100%. aftershave ready to go okay <laughs> uh shit hey by the way real quick before we get too much further i do i do want to say this uh so about julia roberts and Kiefer sutherland there was post divorce right yeah well no 
Roberts broke their engagement three days before their wedding, uh, allegedly because Sutherland had been meeting with a go-go dancer named Amanda Rice. That's Sutherland, my boy. Oh, Sutherland <laughs> denied having an affair with Rice and said that they only met because he liked to play pool. But here we go. On the day of what was supposed to be their wedding, Roberts went to Ireland with Sutherland's friend, Jason Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Hell yeah, dude. The 90s were awesome. So wait, wait a second. Wait a second. So can we just play this out? This is, is this David? David in the cave. He's dressed in right. all black. And Julia Roberts is there, okay? And, and he goes, what do you mean a go-go dancer? She's a friend. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. He just says it. I love it. You're one of <laughs> us. You're one of us, pretty woman. <laughs> Fuck, man. Jesus you know, Christ. I'll take Gertz over, pretty woman. I said it. Get that tall, lanky bitch out of here. Wowzers. Mm-hmm. Shots fired towards yeah. tall, lanky I mean, women. Come on. She's beautiful. But let's be real. I want my gypsy girl. I don't even care. I, know. I knew it. The second I saw her, man. Done like, deal. Oh, God. This is it. This is the beginning of it all. Dean's obsession. It's just, yeah, man. I mean, look, this is vintage 80s, vintage vampire. They're all sexy, right? Yeah. Let's go. I mean, probably not Haim or the Frog Brothers so much. (laughs) Well, you know what's funny about that? that This movie works on two very distinct levels. Like, there's the kids, slightly more kids movie part, a.k.a. Corey Haim and the Frog Brothers, and then there's the darker, older teen, I want to fucking, I'm horny about everything part of the movie with the vampires and Jason Patrick. Um, And when I saw this movie, I was probably originally more like Corey Haim and Corey Feldman's age for seeing this, but for one, it always stuck out in my memory, because like we talked about, I didn't see Near Dark until years later, so this was my first Holy shit! Vampires are badass movie. Like, wow! Look at them. They can just—they can be no, like people all crazy dressed and just tear other people apart, and they're flying around and they're fucking scary and cool. I was like, shit! Because for me, growing up, all the vampire movies I saw were all like old Dracula movies and Salem's Lot and stuff like that. I, right. I feel like, I, like timeline wise, chronology wise, I have the same experience with vampires as people much older than me of going from black and white. Bella Lugosi to like Christopher Lee, then into like some Salem's Lot era kind of stuff. And then this, which is like, whoa, way different, way cooler. But I also have always had a big affinity for the Frog Brothers. I always thought they were yeah. super cool. My uh, my feelings on that may have changed slightly <laughs> at you, this what, point. Hold on, hold on. Can I do Frog <laughs> What are you talking about? This is how we talk. We're men. The truth. We're American justice fuck Vamp, that up, dude, vamp out coin the term just so you know coined the term you're, you're welcome it. buffy but hey mm-hmm. dude the so cory feldman was doing all the coke at that age was he yeah dude already oh i know sad huh damn sad a, listen to me start that's listen sad. to me sad yeah sad. i'm sure it was sad when he was humping all his broads in the goddamn trailer <laughs> well, he was on the fucking nose candy. Yeah, it's poor him. <laughs> poor him. Running around with a cock made of adamantium. Poor, it, le- poor it definitely kid. led to that music career that's still enduring that we all know and love. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. He almost got kicked off the movie. He, really? got, he got kicked off. Yeah. Yeah, Schumacher kicked him off. And he said, um, and he called back and he said, listen, I'm really sorry. It's not going to happen again. Get me on the movie. Um. And, and that's it, you know? I, I will fucking show up. I am your guy. And he pulled through. All right. Yep. Well, damn, I'm glad he did. Fucking Me too. Loved him in this movie. Yeah. It's back- cheesy as shit, but it works. Yeah. Back-to-back Feldman. 
Ah, so much Feldman. Where do you think? Do you think he got the? Do you think he got the cocaine from Peltzer in the Gremlins? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> he I learned it the... from watching you. <laughs> Your failed inventions drove me here. Yeah, I blame you. He found the little baggie on him, and he was like, oh, "What's this? Oh, Jesus Christ! I'm gonna read The Dark Knight now." Ooh, wow, <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> so much better. Wow, than damn. reading comics on that loser's bed. All these boardwalk broads like me. Why is that? I don't get it. Oh, I get it. They want my cocaine. Because <laughs> I have been carrying it around on a necklace. <laughs> Basically, that's the move. <laughs> Jesus. This fucking movie, I don't give a shit. It rules. I want to thank some Dude. people who made this happen. This is, this yeah. is a poll. A poll. This is a, a bounty that people chipped in on. And here they go. Skady. Skady Kobe. Good name. Ryan Brown, Sarah Torkelson, Torkelson, Joe Poltini, Annie Diaziz, uh, Mike Birch, um, Frank Lynx, uh, Danielle Cutter, Tiff Bell, and Mike Melanson. Uh, so those are the ones who brought you this movie. So thank them profusely from the bottom of your hearts. Okay? Indeed. Thank you, guys. Yeah, and I got a good email from Skady Kobe. And I'm hoping she responds to my question regarding her email before that time, but I don't think she's going to because she's on the King's time over there in England, whatever that is. They're six hours ahead, so she's, what, sleeping? <laughs> I guess. Probably. But, um, yeah, man, look, The Lost Boys is, is quintessential shit, right? It's vampires. It's the 80s-ness of the vampire stuff. But there's something kind of compelling about it. And by the way, I wouldn't have been one of those groupies at the, at the concert. If you must know, I would have been the little boy. He's literally <laughs> my age in this movie, yeah. when this movie came out. There you go. Isn't that cute? Isn't that adorable? So adorable. Yep. I'm exactly. Running with your little oversized fucking <laughs> Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> no, no. What's he, he's wearing like that weird-ass looking goth-like uh, double-breasted jacket. Oh, you mean Laddie. That Laddie. Guy. That's oh, yeah. how old I am in this movie. For real. When this movie came out, that's my age right there. Eddie Munster himself. Eddie Munster himself. And I probably saw it like a year later, to be honest with you, and loved it. Of course. <laughs> you know, I got to be honest with you, dude. I wasn't sure. I hadn't watched it in a, in a while. I was like, I haven't seen The Lost Boys in a minute. And I was thinking, boy, I am really nervous about going in to watch something that I loved deeply. And just remembering all of the parts that are just so amazing. And honestly, uh, for the 80s-ness of it, there's some things style-wise that I, I kind of just forgive, and I was just worried, am I going to like this movie still? And goddamn, do I love this movie even more. There is, yeah. there is kind of a major annoyance I have with it, which we'll get to. I don't want to spoil that just yet. Um, it is a bit of an unfortunate thing that the movie decides to do. Um, Interesting. But it's, yeah, it's my only real major complaint to it that we'll get there. So um, prepare yourselves for uh, 90 minutes to two hours of uh, me just telling you how much I love this movie and um, how much it influenced me, as fucking weird as that sounds. <clears throat> oh, I cannot wait for that. I mean, I don't, even mean I don't even mean like in my dress. I just mean in, in my growing love and seeing a different direction that like the genre can go. And, you know, I played a lot of games, wrote a lot of stories, did a lot of role-playing, and inspired a lot of the way I would write stuff and see stuff. And it was just a very cool, different take on things. Like, the idea of... There's something always, forever, whether I'm going to a place like New Hampshire or wherever, any place that has a boardwalk, I can't <laughs> not help but think of the goddamn Lost Boys. Totally. And I just... What a great setting. Can we start there? 
the setting of the movie is just really awesome. I love the idea of a boardwalk, amusement parks, this kind of youth gone wild, uh, really nobody out there telling anybody what to do, and them just asserting themselves. It's just really awesome. I, I like the setup. I like that the kids all have agency. The parents are kind of doofuses, and it's just, this is, uh, this speaks to a whole generation of people, right? Kids having to figure it out on their own. Yeah. Because they're all raised by single moms who are working, right? There you go. (laughs) And the funny part is, too, the title Lost Boys comes from an earlier, much earlier version of the script before Schumacher was on board when it was going to be Goonies uh, with Fangs or something? What's that? Goonies with Fangs? Basically, yeah, that was literally what they were going to make. That all the characters were going to be between eight and ten, and it was going to be way. It was going to be like, like PG rated, and they're going to be fighting vampires, and it was going to be like these kids banding together, being a bunch of kids. And Schumacher, who we love to you know dick on and make fun of a little bit, to his credit, was the one who came on and said, "No, teenagers, older, sexier, way more violent. We're making this R rated." And I'm like, that was the right choice, man. That was the right choice. It works. Um, but the title Lost Boys comes from that earlier script when it was going to be. All of the characters are going to be named after Peter Pan characters. Right. Uh, and some of those names still exist here, but I actually think the title of Lost Boys works perfectly sure. for this. Even for the setup that we come in, you know, we're, we're flying up to the boardwalk. It says the Lost Boys. And what do we see? Fucking David, Kiefer Sutherland's character, antagonizing other fucking Lost Boys with his Lost Boys. There are a bunch of just angry boys out there. And it's drunk just, on power. Yeah, man. And in, in this Lost Boys in every aspect, the missing kids, right? That's part mm-hmm. of it too. And and there's something fascinating. Just the way the the whole the whole intro, the whole setup, um, you know, the cry little sister piece of music. That dude listen to the fucking Lost Boys back in the day. That was on my <laughs> I was about to say I know you're a little more on the sax, man. I'm way more on the theme, the Cry Little Sister. Ah, I could listen to it. It's so filthy 80s, and That's I love great. it. I don't care. That shit was on my goth mix one, I can assure you. Hell yeah. I can assure you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Right next to Bella Lugosi's Dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> Some Echo and the Bunny Men, you know, the huge. Yeah. yeah. Throw, throw the cure in there at some point, whoever. Concrete Blonde, they, they were all in there. They were on the mix, no doubt. But yeah, nice. great song, very cool. It works for the merch for the for the for the uh, film for sure. But I like the Warner Brothers coming up, and you just hear the thou shalt like really quietly. I don't know if you it's caught so that. Good. It's really Absolutely. it's a really cool touch. Um, and then we get this kind of flyover, this really awesome helicopter shit where they fly over the water and over to the boardwalk in, um, yeah. in the slow motion intro of David in all black with the contrasting blonde hair. And that, and not just that, like the contrast of him being on the kid's ride, the fair, you know, the, the <laughs> merry-go-round of all the, the innocent horses and here's big bad David in the black jacket and everything. You know right away he's the, the guy to look out for. Yeah. It's so interesting. Costumes are fucking on point. Because don't oh, don't some man. of them look a bit out of time, right? Like obviously David looks like your classic all in black rebel guy, but even his trench coat has like cool buttons on it. And and you're like, and and the other guy, by the way, super hot, the gypsy guy, that dude, the dark hair dude, yeah, yeah, easily number two on the good looking of of the Lost Boy Forge foursome, yeah, easily. Um, he just actually should we should we rank them real quick? Because to be honest, I think our poor guy Ted is. Uh, He's at the end. He is, but he's, you'd still smash him in this. Oh, he's smashable. It's the, it's the vampire confidence. It does it for him. 
<laughs> he wears it well. He needed that. You you might have a fight on your hands, though, with depending on which who you ask, because I think you're going to have. I mean, obviously, David's confidence and magnetism and, and intimidation makes him go up the scale. But I mean, if you had a nice yeah. white Irish Catholic girl, she might go for that gypsy boy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A different flavor. Yeah. He's he's a little more pretty boy. Yeah, he's, he's you know, got David, olive oil David's on his bad chest. boy with a dash of pretty boy, and this guy is pretty boy with a dash of bad boy. Yeah, right. Like depends he's on gonna, your flavor. What are you feeling? David's gonna go home and kill your dad. Okay, that's going to happen. <laughs> right. So if you're like that kind of guy, whereas the gypsy guy, he's probably going to steal $50 out of your mother's dresser and might fuck your mother. He <laughs> might fuck your mom. He might fuck your mom. I'm not <laughs> saying he's going to run off with your girl, fuck your girl like Jason Patrick, but he might fuck your mom. Okay. <laughs> Jason Patrick, Jason Patrick, Mr. Steal Your Girl. He's going to steal your girl. Esquire. He's going to fuck her. So there's that. But what are you going to do when you got a big juicy lips like he does? I mean, you can't resist, right? So there it goes. Okay. But um, we see the cop trying to get them off the boardwalk. But more just, I mean, vampire shit. That's what I like about this movie. They're walking around like they are unstoppable. And they are goddamn right just about, aren't they? And that, see, that's the thing that stuck out to me on these these viewings with this that I, because I'll admit, on my first viewing again for this, I was like, I still enjoy this movie. It's good. It's not quite as good as I remember. And I'm not sure if I really even like it as much as I used to. Second viewing around, I'm liking it a lot more. And it's because I've been thinking about this aspect of it, of like the cockiness, the arrogance, the the confidence that that David and them have makes total sense of like how would the the you know who we find out is the head vampire, Max, lure in, you know, recruits to be powerful vampire soldiers for him. It would be these kind of guys Absolutely. who don't give a fuck. They have nothing else to live for. They don't care. They probably don't have much family or any decent family. And he's like, hey, do you want to just be fucking powerful as shit and unstoppable and people will fear you? Hell yes, these guys say. They're all about it. And you can see them. And also, I never thought until the second viewing that these guys are probably very new vampires. Like, I think they, like David himself, has only been turned a vampire maybe a week or two before this opening, I think, is my new working theory of this, that they are very new to this themselves. Max has only just started up turning people. Interesting. Um, and, and they're drunk off of it. They love it. Like, they are, they are pretty, you know, pretty out there not hiding it that hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I, I they're, they're, the counterpoint to that is that they show a measure of discipline because they're not just ravenous monsters. Like when they encounter the, the you know, a lot of it is just the, the power of the vampiric thing, which we see used kind of subtly in this movie, which I love. And that's always that, the pull, the lure, right? They lure you to them just by being provocative in its supernatural charm, I guess you can say. Right. Even though a guy like David looks menacing and like he might go home and kill your dad, there's <laughs> that moment where they're just walking through and you know, the, there's a couple of girls that he walks by and they just kind of like dead drop or staring at him. And it's, and I like to believe as a fan of vampire fiction that this is a, uh, this is a supernatural effect and that's why it causes the guy to start grasping at grasping at um i forget the, the fucking all their names um not not marco billy Ross, Dwayne. they start grasping at Dwayne, the gypsy guy pulling on him and starting to fight and the girl's just kind of oh, yeah. dumbfounded looking at him and when the cop grabs david he's like all right let's go boys he doesn't right. like they could rip this guy apart but how they gotta be a little careful right they don't want him <laughs> to go totally bananas here it's true 
They show a very mature level of restraint uh, and wait until he's walking to his car to eviscerate him right, and pull the door off right. his car. When no one's looking. <laughs> when nobody's looking. Right, nobody's going to meet this guy. This is like the guy that gets it in the eyeball in Terminator 2. No one's going to miss this guy. Oh, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, shit. Yeah, but there's but just these moments yeah. where he walks by, and then right after the cop, like, the slow-mo walk by, he turns and looks at some girl riding one of the horses, and she just, like, dumb, dumbfoundedly staring at him. And he kind of smirks and leaves. And like you say, as the boardwalk is shutting down, we've got this great open. And um, we see something we probably haven't seen in vampire movies up to this point. You talking about the fly up? Death from above, dude. Dude, you know what's so great about this? Not a stylistic or artistic choice at all. It was purely a budgetary one. They couldn't show the vampires flying. They were basically saving all their big effects money for the end. So they they used this you know first person POV to fly up, and I fucking love it. It's I awesome. think it's fantastic. I love every time they use it in this movie, and this is just great. Seeing from how far away it starts to getting all the way up next to him, where he turns and looks at the camera. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Um, there's a composer named Giorgio Marauder, Marauder, M-O-R-O-D-E-R. And, um, I am trying to think of everything he's done. I just went to his page and he did Cat People. Um, there's a David Bowie song from Cat People, right? Which is the one they ended up using again in Inglorious, the cities are so green, you know that tune? Well, that. Um, but he does he does some of the music in Cat People. And there is an effect in that soundtrack, and I should have researched this a little before the pod, but there's this moment in that where this at towards the end of this particular song, which is this crazy cat transformation attack, it's like it almost sounds like a crazy cat noise with like uh with almost like um like crickets at night behind it. And you hear it in this. It's it, I'm telling you, man. And you know I'm pretty good at when I hear these things. It's the same oh, yeah. fucking effect. So I'm trying to think of how that might have happened. And I didn't do any of the research on it now, but I, and I regret that. But I'm just, I have, I can hear it in the background now. And I'm just like, oh man, like right when they come down and they yank him away. It's, it's yeah. this crazy like, like noise like that. And I go, dude, that is the same exact effect from the fucking Cat People movie. I'm telling you now. <laughs> And I don't I'm think listening to it now. I'm trying to yeah, figure it out. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not. It's not part of. I doubt it's probably as listed as part of the score. But it drives me bananas every time I hear it now. Yeah, ah, it almost sounds like a distorted, like played through with some kind of effect cat hiss. Right. Like, right. Rrrr. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's really cool. And um, had I not seen Cat People, I actually saw Cat People after Lost Boys, even though it came out I think before. Um, and I remember that effect because. I used to listen to that soundtrack and it, and it would, and it would start out that way. You know, um, I can't remember the, the, uh, the name of the tune, but it was, it's really fucking creepy in, in the cat people movie. I still haven't seen that. Yeah. It's definitely worth checking out. Well, do we, do we show our boys and their mom moving in now, moving into yeah. to the murder capital of the world? Is this the echo in the bunny man cover? Is it? Yeah. Hey, real quick. Like echo in the bunny man. Bunnyman? Bunnyman? <laughs> Bunnyman? I like are, Echo are you in the Bunnyman bu- or Bunnyman? I like the Echo in the Bunnymans, but uh, I mean, this just isn't as good as the original, I'm sorry to say. Nah, nah. And I, I'm crazy about some doors, and I mean, I'll take a cover here and there. And this is fine. I'm fine, fine with it. I'm 
doesn't yeah, bother me. It, it but, helps uh, that I. It doesn't help that I love the original. Doors. Exactly. But um, <laughs> but yeah, Cry Little Sister, L.A. Guns, they do that tune, right? Which we which we've already talked about. And uh, I thought this was a cover, but I don't know. It's definitely not Morrison. He no. doesn't have the same like resonance in his voice. He does. He does a decent job covering it, but yeah, he doesn't have quite the same like I don't know range. I guess. Yeah. You can talk about that better than me. They're talking. No, it's it's just a. He doesn't have the same richness. He doesn't have the same quality in the lower end of his voice that that Morrison right. did. Totally. That's just the facts. Sorry, but you're good. But how fucking it, it is Echo. Is it it is Echo and the Bunnymen. There we go. But yeah. how fucking badass is it that this is what nineteen eighty seven and Morrison's still just so fucking cool in L.A. Hell like they yeah, still dude. fucking can't help themselves. Twenty years that later, massive portrait of him in their cave. It's kick ass. It's fucking great. Kick ass, dude. <laughs> and it makes sense, right? Makes sense, like you said, California, the time, the place. Um, Absolutely. So somebody in this, in, in what do you think of all these establishing shots? These are all like real people. It's totally cool, right. Yeah. I'm into it. Just, you know, they're, they're supposed to be, what, from Phoenix? And they're like, whoa, look at all these new and strange faces. People with mohawks? Yeah. People, Southern what? Ca- this is totally, this is totally <laughs> Kid Matthews' idea of Southern California, too. This, I think, not just Southern California, I think this is the entirety of California from top, of, bo- top to bottom, statewide. I'm like, yeah, this is California, right? California everywhere. California everywhere, exactly. <laughs> now, the um, one of one of the listener comments this week was regarding one of these extras, mm. and I'm trying to remember who had it, but I will find it before the end of the show, and, and I'll make sure to read it before. Oh, oh, um, right here, Matthew Lewis. Right after college, I managed a small restaurant in Harvard Square. One of our lunch regulars was a nice older guy named Francis, who half the time would show up in drag to have his soup. What's the connection? In the early sequence when, where, where they are showing random people to people are strange, he is the guy who turns the camera wearing what looks like a Sith hood. Oh, I'm looking for it now. Pretty, pretty ooh, cool, right? Wearing a hood. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. He's got glasses and a hoodie. turns right to the camera. Looks kind of past the camera. Um, so very cool. Shout out to Matthew Lewis. And then uh, I, I'm going to read this one now while I'm thinking about it. Skady Kobe, one of the very uh, backers of this, says, just want to tell you how stoked I'm that you're covering this movie, especially right after Christmas because I'm very over the dumb holidays. The movie has a special place in my heart. Okay, she says, I saw it for the first time on a huge projected screen on the beach in front of the boardwalk on the 100th anniversary of the park. Hell yeah, that's badass. Now, does she mean the very boardwalk in question? Sound? That's what I assumed. Okay, yeah. that's crazy, right? That's kick-ass. She said, I have to appreciate legit vampires that don't sparkle or whatever. Fuck Twilight. Anyway, hope you have a good time <laughs> covering it or shit all over it. You guys are great no matter what. Oh, what a sweetie. So yeah, that's pretty badass. To watch Lost Boys on a jump. How, that's like the most meta shit you can do. And the very first time you've ever seen it, that God, that would staple it into your memory forever. That's awesome. Right. Right, man. It's perfect. It's awesome. But this is good shit. This is great establishing stuff here. Very cool. Finally just saw the guy. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> you finally saw him. I was scrubbing back through there. Yeah, man. Just everybody doing their thing. And uh, the kids are hanging out. And it, and it looks like they're moving. Looks like they're moving to this uh, 
kind of unforgettable house. Yeah. There's so much unforgettable shit in this movie, good or bad. And this house is just such an unforgettable it's set. It's so crazy. It's yeah. insane. There's shit everywhere. There's shit everywhere. Yeah. Everything's made out of an animal. Right. Right. Um, what do you think of Grandpa? I mean, I like him. He's funny. Like he's to me, he's like a perfectly good side kind of comedy funny character, but I don't really have anything beyond <laughs> that impression of him. All right. So he doesn't give him a lot. Here's my here's what I think. I think it's Bernard Hughes, the actor. B- mm-hmm. Barnard Hughes, excuse me. Um, I think he is charming and likable, and I think he does a good job of playing a character that we're not sure about, but that is really cool in the end. But here's yeah. my problem with him, and I'm going to blow my load. Um, okay. He is, my problem with the movie is his timely arrival at the end. I don't like that shit. And I know we're talking about the end here, but it just annoys me. And I know Jason pushes David towards him, but it's like, ah, he's going to save everyone with his dumb antics. Let them, <laughs> let them take out David. And he shows up right. with a, a witty a witticism at the end. You know what I mean? Well, no, they take out David, but he takes out I'm sorry. Max. I'm sorry. Max. Yeah. Sorry. Totally. Yeah. That's all. That's my big complaint in the movie. Can we move past it? Ah, uh, well, yeah, we're not even there yet, but let's move past yep. it. Um, Floyd Fry in the chat says, Richard C. Franklin was the sound editor of The Lost Boys and Cat People. So there's your fucking answer. There you go. He's got his little, <clears throat> his little board, his little bag of effects that he uses on every movie. Yeah, for sure, man. That was, that was definitely it. But um, yeah, the place is weird. Um, the dog is awesome. Nanook. Great name, by the way. That's ah, really cool. And it's supposed to be another <laughs> Peter Pan reference to their dog, Nana. Oh, no kidding. So they just expanded on it and made it Nanook, but it sounds cool. Nice. Um, and we just see them moving into this very cool kind of eccentric place. Right. Covered in antlers, covered in animal skins. They're asking Grandpa, so this is really the murder, murder capital? And he kind of dodges that question. Well, I'll tell you this. If every corpse around Santa Carla could suddenly stand up, we'd have a hell of a population problem. Right. Interesting dodge on that question. And that's totally the movie throwing a little bit of mystery to, to Grandpa, being like, oh, wait, is he in on something? Yeah. Um, so the murder capital of the world, why is that referenced in this movie? Did you read anything about that? Uh, because there was an actual very active serial killer in Santa Cruz where this is actually filmed. Correct. correct? Yep, in the I don't 70s. know much about that guy, yeah. Santa Cruz became the, okay, this is from birthmoviesdeath.com. This piece is written by Devin Faraci on July 28th, 2013. In the 1970s, Santa Cruz became the murder capital of the world, largely thanks to the efforts of two terrifying serial killers. Um, so there's this big, long article on it if you want to check it out. Um, I, he says, I imagine the early 70s on the Central California coast were an amazing time. The hippie revolution lingered and weed burned freely, and the surf culture was king. Beautiful, buzzed people paddled out to sea in Santa Cruz, named Surf City by Surfer Magazine, thanks to its impeccable waves. But there's always darkness, and in Santa Cruz, darkness took the form of two psychos working independently who killed over 20 people. Jesus. Between 72 and 73. They didn't know each other. They never met. But they cut a swath of terror through the sunny peace of Santa Cruz. Um, Herbert Mullen, who claimed 13... Um, 
Yeah, pretty crazy. It goes on and on. I'm not going to read that. And Edmund Kemper. Oh, shit, Edmund Kemper. Holy shit, he's in that Mindhunters movie, right? The guy who, like, buried his mom's head in the background. That big giant guy is, like, 6'10". Oh, shit. Oh, I didn't know that's, that's where he him. operated. Damn, all these connections, son! Jesus. How about Boy, that? You, hey, Southern California, real good at serial killers. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, Jesus. dude. So many good targets out there. <laughs> oh, my God, check out my granola bar and this tan on my arms. <laughs> stab, 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 stab. Stab, stab, stab. Oh, Why, bro? Why? Uh, bro, no. <laughs> oh, dude, just chill. <laughs> wow. I find it very insensitive when Ashley Media mocked victims of serial killers. One star. <laughs> Nobody else does on Earth. You fuckers make trading cards out of them. Don't fucking write me emails. <laughs> That's all I got oh, to say man. about that. So there you go. Well, Grandpa's going to lay down some rules after telling them about all the evil stuff. But before that, can we just discuss Michael and Sam, of course, Jason Patrick, steal your girl, and Corey Haim. Mr. Hang out with your girl. <laughs> talk, talk to me about, t- t- Mr. Dress like your girl. <laughs> Dude, I mean, we, I f- forgot the movie that we talked about. We've had Silver a Corey Bullet. movie before. Silver Bullet. That's the one. Yes, yes, yes. I was trying to remember. I was like, fuck, I know we've talked about him before. He's... He was popular for a reason, man. He's good. Like He's good. At this age, even, he's already really good. And to be honest, and I don't say this very often about sibling relationships in movies, but there is an actual chemistry between these two mm-hmm. as brothers. Like, yep. I buy it. Yep. The, way they, the way they act, the way he chases after him, the way they are hard on each other but equally forgiving really quickly, um, I buy. I like, I like the both of them. They're actually really good in this. Yep. It's good stuff. The performances are really solid in this movie, man. Yeah, Diane Weist as Lucy. Ah, she's great. She's she's so old now. I she's know, the old so dying old. lady in the mule. Oh, that's right. Crazy, that's right. right? Yeah. Oh, you saw that already? Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's good. Yeah, it's a good flick. Eastwood rules. Yeah. Side tangent. <laughs> um, <laughs> Quick Eastwood side tangent. Yeah, Corey Hames got a curious uh, fashion sense, but he's got great hair. <laughs> And uh, yeah, their chemistry is good. The, a lot of the the physical antagonizing, that kind of stuff, right? Just like totally. slapping around each other, pushing, shoving, kind of jolly hugging. <laughs> I mean, he just gives them wet willies randomly and shit. I'm like, that's that's brother shit. That's for sure. It is, especially kind of at that age. Yeah, exactly. You know, so well, should we go to? Uh, should we go back to the boardwalk to, for a little nighttime fun? Well, I mean, they have to because Grandpa's like, don't touch any of the shit in the fridge. Don't go in any rooms and I don't have TV. Yeah. Have fun. Yep. Um, like, well, I guess we're going to go find random girls and do drugs with strangers, I guess. Well, Grandpa, I lo- since there's nothing at home. I-, I like to normally stay away from this stuff, Matthew, but I can't help myself. So stand by. Yeah. You still believe, Matt? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes. Evidently, I do. All right, that's all I can Dude, do. So I gotta say, I can- Dude, come on. You <laughs> watch yourself. This. Okay, here's what I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna start, start with this. Um, this movie got me thinking about what dates a movie and what doesn't. And honestly, I feel like this movie comes out pretty unscathed from being dated. Obviously, it's a movie from the 80s, but it doesn't get dated in a way that makes you go, ugh, they thought this was so cool and it's so not. And that 
kind of brought me to the realization of movies that date badly versus movies that stay classic. You know, they're a classic symbol of the time they were made. You know, because I feel like that's what happens to you, especially if you set it. You know, you make a movie set in the time that you're shooting the damn thing. It's either going to be dated or it's going to be seen as emblematic of its time and like a nice little time capsule that's interesting. And I feel like this movie achieves that because for one, I think the worst move you can make uh, in trying to make a movie that's going to date well is not focusing so hard on trying to make things of that time look cool. You know what I mean? Because that shit always changes. It always, All the trends change, fashion changes, everything changes, music, all of it, the way clubs are. All of it changes over time. So if you focus too hard on, look how cool this here right now is, and it's going to be cool forever. No, it isn't. In 30 years, it's going to not be as cool. And honestly, I think this movie does a really good job avoiding that. Except for this scene. (laughs) Except for that fucking sax rock star scene, man. I'm sorry. That one. Oh, that is drenched in 80s. It hurts. Whew. (laughs) <laughs> so much 80s. I have to like bring my head up for air for just a second here. Hey, real quick, you're yeah. wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here's, Sergio. All right, so here's what I'll say about this scene. This scene, when when I saw this as a kid, like when I saw this and I was like maybe early teens, maybe 12, 10, 11, 12, it was very much something that would have been more enjoyed by adults than kids at the time. Oh, yeah. So my, in other words, my point was when we saw it when we were little kids, we weren't rocking out to this. Does okay. that make sense? Like, right. when, like, like when we were watching, we were like, cool, you know, cry little sister, whatever. That was more of the flavor of the movie to us. This particular, this particular piece of music, this particular performance, saxophone, whatever – it is something that was kind of set apart for it. And oddly enough, I appreciate it more now than I did then. Because back then I was like, oh, this is weird. Like as a kid, I was like, this is weird. Like I don't, I'm not into it. Do you know what I'm saying? But I wasn't. But something about getting older really gets an oiled up shirtless man with a ponytail and a sax. That just gets you hard, doesn't it? I don't know what you're saying. (laughs) Like, at what point in time? When did it start? When did what start? That you thought this was cool. Wait, I didn't say that. Okay. All right. No, All no, right. no. I said, I said when I was younger, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, whatever. Now, there's the difference here. Can we separate? So can I personally separate the music and the performance? Like, you're looking at a giant muscled up guy oiled up, in your, and that's what you're being critical of, right? That's the <laughs> visual mean, performance. Not even criticizing. No, 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 you're just it, saying it, just it dates it. No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But it to me, me, I burst can, into laughter. By the way, well, let me finish. I like. Okay. I can separate the performance and the music. Do you know what I'm saying? I look at the sure. guy and I go, "Yeah, it's cheesy, fucking silly '80s shit." But then I think of the music and I go, "But the song's kind of cool. It's fine." Yeah, the song's fine. It's fine. But when I was a kid, I didn't really care for either. I was like, I want to hear Cry Little Sister again. Like, that's what I wanted to hear when I was younger. Because I think it fit the flavor of the sort of 80s goth thing. Does that make sense? I'll take it. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, so to me, I was like, oh, okay. That's just in the movie. I don't really think much about it. And then when I was older, I was like almost going, fuck yeah. Like, do your thing, dude. I don't care. This is awesome. Especially since the guy has such a cool fucking story. Now, now his story, I don't know. And by the way, saxophone has always been cool. 
Oh, saxophones are cool. Don't get me wrong but on that. boiled up, <laughs> jacked up guy. So here's his story. His story is he quit heroin cold turkey and got obsessed with weightlifting. Okay, um, damn. Yeah, he was in really bad shape, and he was like, "I got to do something before I kill myself." So he got he got crazy into into like exercise, cold turkey heroin. Don't know how he did that. That's um, pretty hardcore. And then he just became obsessed with exercise, and um, he always, I guess, he was always into music, always into saxophone and stuff like that. So he played, and then it just almost became a thing. Which is funny because I think about that from a performance perspective. You hear uh, stand-up comedians talk about that. Like if a stand-up comedian loses a ton of weight, it suddenly changes their act. Or if they get jacked and fit, it kind of changes their act. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's the, so I guess it kind of changed his act a little bit. And I didn't read much beyond that, but I was just kind of reading it. Um, so pretty cool story for this guy. I mean, he was in a fucking Tina Turner video for Christ's sakes. Well, yeah, he was Tina Turner's like sax guy for a while. Which yeah, is pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty wild. So I guess I guess my point is, I don't think it. I think when we watched it, when I was Corey Haim's age or younger, watching this movie and loving everything about it, when this scene came on, we were just like, "Oh, okay," and our moms were like, "Oh, this is awesome." Do you know what I'm saying? I see, yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, see, so for me, so it's, coming back to it now, I go, oh, I can appreciate this this tune in 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 this being in this movie. Like, I it's fine. They covered gotcha. every other stereotype: surfer, oh, God, rocker, yeah. fucking Hard. burnout. Every every stereotype exists from the '80s in this movie. Why not fucking Jack Sax guy? Is, is if that's even a stereotype, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I guess. See, for me, it was more the shock of I completely forgot this was in here. Like, as a kid, a.k.a. Corey Feldman's age watching this shit, I, it just breezed right past. I'm like, yeah, this is what teenagers do, I guess, in, in California on the beach. I don't know. Sure, whatever. <laughs> just <laughs> right over my head. Don't give a fuck. Don't really care. Waiting right. for the vampires to show back up. This time around, I mean, dude, it just <laughs> it just shocked me it was like it was like getting firebombed with laughter like i didn't even know it was coming and like i almost spit drink everywhere it was so fucking funny to me because i completely forgot this was here like no shit all entirely and that's so funny what 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 am i watching i mean i've seen it a million times too that's probably why it's See, I, i've probably only seen this movie four or five times i mean I've, i've always loved it i've always had a high opinion of it but i just damn, completely blanked on this spot and was out loud alone in my apartment. Just, I probably sounded like a crazy person if you were walking by outside laughing so hard at this. It's so fucking funny. Ah, oh, shit, the chains. <laughs> He's got Dude, chains. so many neck. chains. <laughs> And, and just the tightness of his ponytail. It's so, he's got one of those, I want to give myself a headache fucking ponytails. It's just tight, pulled back so the tight most on cons- his head. The most concerning part of his outfit to me oh, is it fuck. appears to be there's some sort of cod piece over those tights. That too. That was kind of weird, right? I, didn't, I, I was like, why is he wearing that? <laughs> it's kind of weird. He's so mad, too. <laughs> he's so angry. <laughs> He's pointing at everybody as if they're not into it enough. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, It's just so absurd, but I'll take it. Whatever. Yeah, there you go. So um, this is the first meeting between Star and Michael. I like that the movie addresses her name. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. Or else I was going to have a fucking field day on it. I know a star. (laughs) Me too, actually. (laughs) 
me too. Um, but no, I still like how it comes up. What's your name? Star? Oh, yeah. My parents are ex-hippies too. <laughs> I was like, ah, it's pretty good. All right. You're a self-aware movie. I'll give you points. Yeah. Uh, I, love, I love, first of all, Michael is totally, totally enamored with her. Mm-hmm. Um, instantaneously. Instantaneously. And uh, I love, it's, it's so fucking adorable when she notices him. And she's like, oh, I'm going to pretend to be a little sexier. And like, I know <laughs> he's watching. Exactly. God damn it. <laughs> I'll be okay. <laughs> you saucy little minx. And um, he's just kind of stone cold staring at her. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, he is so bad at this, really. And what's so funny, I'm like, Jason Patrick is not bad at this. Let's be real. I'm sure he's not. But I love how, like, Bro, she's got that vampire blood. He can't help himself. He literally chases her through a crowd. Yeah, can't help it. Correct. Gotta go after her. Yeah. Now, at this point, is this all part of the plan to lure somebody in for her for her Always, always a great and lingering question in this movie. And one of the things I pondered today, watching it. Yeah, like at this part right now... You know, she's is she tasked with David and, and everybody else to mm. you need to go out and get your first kill. It's never so explicitly stated, but you're no. almost led to believe that that's the case based on the way she interacts. But before we get there, we do want to talk about um, Lucy meeting Max. Yeah. Then we see I, the Lost Boys, so to speak, interacting with Max. Which is hardly at all. Hardly at all. They, he just sees them walking like, ah, fuck. And you make, yeah. there's no connections to me made at this point. No, not whatsoever. I mean, he's just like, hey, I told you guys, you know, you're not supposed to be here right now or you're not, you can't be in here. And they just, they listen and they leave. And he always just says, huh, wild kids. Yeah. Crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> good old uh, Ed Herman, though. The, this guy. Yeah, he's good. And you know, uh, Kelly Jo Minter, that's the girl behind the counter. You you only see her for a second. She had so many roles back in the eighties, like these little bit roles like this. Yeah, um, she was and, supposed and, to have a bigger role in this movie. A lot of deleted scenes have. Oh, been. is that what happened? Mm-hmm. Huh. You know, she was uh, covered by us once before in the Out for Justice as Hooker who gets slapped. Oh shit! Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the very beginning of the movie, where the pimp's like slapping the crap out of her, and then right. Stephen Skull <laughs> goes over and like breaks his fingers and shit. Exactly. God, That's we need her. more Seagal, man. Yeah, we need she's, more in our lives. She's in Nightmare on Elm Street 5, if you need to know. She's in a TJ Hooker episode. Kaylee Jo Minter, Sunset Girl, ER, Dead Men Can't Dance. She hasn't acted nice. since 2008, which is a TV series called Zoe 101. So there you have it. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember that show. Little kid show. No, oh, is it? I don't know anything about yeah, that show. I think so. All right. Yeah. Well, so yeah, we, you know, we see their mom meet Max here. And his dog, Thorn. Hell yeah. Super chill. Great name. At this point. Thorn. I love it. But she's actually looking for a job. Mm. Do she I look that pathetic, she asks. She's very charming. Great actress. She, I actually do really like Diane Weist, yeah. Yeah, she's great. She's good. Um, I mean, kind of nice looking lady. I was, <laughs> was going to say, I mean, this right here in this movie? Yeah, smash. I mean, right? Yeah, smash. Smash. I smash. I'm not saying I noticed her body when she went over the fence when the dog was chasing her, but I noticed her body a little bit. 
<laughs> Welcome back to the newest LGBT show, Smash Brothers. Listen, hey, I'd smash. Hey, this week on Smash Brothers, we're going to say smash your pass. <laughs> Fucking spoiler alert, we're smashing all of them. Oh! Hey, primetime Diane <laughs> Weist, smash. Hey, smash. Kelly Joe Minta, oh, smash. <laughs> Corey <laughs> Haim with a wig, oh, smash. Andrew Dice Clay, then or now, smash. Oh, hickory dickory dock. Um, <laughs> so, is that a new segment? Smash Brothers? I actually I am down for that segment, though. <laughs> Just to kind of do a, an overall roundup of, all right, who is smashable and who would be not smashed in this movie? Mother of the Lost Kid. Oh, smash. Sorry. Smash. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Dice, Patrick Dice has this smash. Dice has this old bit which is so funny where he's talking about he's talking about how he runs into this woman in the grocery store. I'm going to butcher it and I'm sorry, but this part of it is fucking so funny. And in in somebody in the audience is like, "Did you fuck her?" And he goes, of course I fucked her. I was in the grocery store. Like, <laughs> the fucking guy spit soda everywhere the first time I heard that shit. Because it's like the most obvi- ob- ob- ridiculous thing to say. It just works. Of course. It's, I was in the grocery store. Of course I did. I was in the, and then everyone, all the laughter dies down. He's like, I threw her on the tomatoes, banged her, took a purse, and ran. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> guy was nuts, dude. Oh, oh, filled shit. stadiums, though. You know, whatever. But, um... So, yeah, she's like, do I look that needy? <laughs> Smash. Smash. And, uh, <laughs> and um, meanwhile, we have um, these boys walking around, and uh, we're cutting just seeing how everyone's integrating with their new surroundings. But yeah. Michael takes his leave of Sam, and Sam wanders into the comic shop. Indeed. And meets the Frog Boys. And impresses him with his higher than civilian level of comic books. Higher than civilian level knowledge. Right. Right. This scene is great. It's so good. It's and awesome. I mean and Feldman, see that's the thing about him. He's hamming it up of course, hard in of this course. movie. But it, it works. Yeah. It works for this kid who would be this. Yeah, like that's that's <laughs> the thing that's at times hard to discriminate in movies like this, where you're like, oh well, this character's acting so cheesy. And I'm like, but that's him. That is what that person who believes this stuff about themselves, that's how they act. Right. Like, it would be corny. And that's what's so fucking cute about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, you know, both of them are so, in a very underworld-esque sense, super serious. <laughs> They're super serious <laughs> awesome. about what they do. And I love it because Sam, just like us, the audience, is like, <laughs> okay, these guys are kind of dorks. Like, how seriously they are taking everything? But he's interested in them because they're his age and they're interested in comics. And it's like, obviously, that's cool. Um, and he kind of corrects them on some, where, where their Superman issues should be placed. And they look at each other. I like this little moment, too, where they each look at each other and they decide to go ahead and give him a issue one of uh, Vampires Are Everywhere. Still at the actual comic book store. Yeah. If you go to that store, you can talk to the owner and he'll let you hold that very comic that was made explicitly very. just for this movie and take a picture with it. Where the hell are you from, Krypton? <laughs> Phoenix, actually. <laughs> it's cute. So Again, just good, man. Heyman it's Feldman were always good together. And this dude, uh, Jameson Newlander, he does a good job, too. 
Now, did they meet on this movie? Was this their first movie together? They have been, or had they been doing some? I think this is the beginning of their movies together. Brat Pack, I, Brat Pack boys. Yep, I believe it is. Hmm. Read this comic; it could save your life. And see, what's funny too is I was reading about this of how, like, oh, they became you know good friends on this because they were the same age and they couldn't go go to all the nightly parties that the older you know cast went to. And I'm like, well, it sounds like that didn't slow Feldman down, but okay, <laughs> whatever. Yep, I know. But um, he, he takes it, and then there's the same assholes from earlier who I have no sympathy for that David's crew was fucking with. They're there, like, ripping off comics. Scumbags. Right. Fuck these guys. Fuck those guys. I hope they get their throats ripped out by vampires. <laughs> oh, and hey, Dean, your wish is gonna go. Oh, boy. <laughs> Big comic fans, enough to steal from children. And um, <laughs> we cut to um, Michael finally tracking down Star, Correct. He's, she's getting on the bike. That is it. Yeah. He finally gets over to her, says hi to her, and that's when David and his lost boys come rolling up. Star. No, no, <laughs> you're, you're a little ahead of the game. Am I? Yeah. I, I was just talking. They kind of walk by, and they, he's, they all look at each other from the bikes, and then they kind of ride off. That is true. She's yeah. kind of looking back at him, and then we kill the two goons, the girl and the guy. Well, there we go. Yeah, another awesome, the the sound again. They're coming in, and the fucking roof, dude. I love the roof and the pull-up, like they're just flying over, and then they fucking zoom back down into the car. Oh, yeah. Like, how, for one, how they, they get the roof, then they get the guy, and then they come back for the girl, too. Oh. Like, they're, they're, everybody's getting it. No one's spared. Yep. Nobody's spared. Uh, more shenanigans from Grandpa, right? They get in the car. He's like, want to go into town? Fucking grandpa. What a weirdo. This is the scene. You know, a lot of times I do think that Grandpa's cute and funny. This is one of those scenes where I'm like, oh, fuck you, Grandpa. You actually got me all ready. Like, I'm ready to go into town. You got my hopes all up. And oh, we're just going to sit in my car and pretend for a couple seconds. I was That's just as close fooling. As I, got town. Yeah, I was just fooling <laughs> like, with you. Cool. I'm going to take this car when you're not looking, by the way. Mm, yeah, no kidding. 100% now. That's as close to town as he likes to get. Because <clears throat> Grandpa knows, Matt. He knows about vampires and trees. <laughs> he does, that lying son of a bitch who should have spoken up more in this movie. <laughs> um, two men can be seen playing pinball the second time Sam visits the comic shop. The guy with the facial hair is Joe Ferrara, too the second, who actually owned the comic shop Atlantis Fantasy World. The comic shop has now moved location, but is still owned by Joe. Nice. Yeah, you know why it moved location, by the way? Probably because of assholes? No, because in 1989, oh. Earthquake destroyed it. Holy the, the, shit, The location dude. that's actually in the movie is gone. Ooh. Sad. That's right. I know. But they still have their shop, just in a different location. Yeah, yeah. Um, but more talk. That's right. Alan and Edgar giving him a little rundown. So if you notice anything weird yet. Mm. And I love that. I love how it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's because they're the same age. It's because these are all similar aged guys and, you know, they're interested in being friends. But I like how they are already reaching out to him and being like, so if you notice the vampires, like that's, they, in their mind, that is like top secret shit. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're trying to connect with him and be like, are, are you seeing it? Have you noticed? Because you're into comics, maybe you'll believe it. I like how, uh, <laughs> Sam's like, it's a pretty cool place if you're a Martian. And Feldman's like, or a vampire. <laughs> or, or you mean like, or a vampire. Or a vampire, yeah. Try, 
trying really hard to be deep voice. He's got that fucking Rambo headband on. Dude, so Rambo. I love it, dude. The, 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 so uh, Rambo. Dude, dude this shit. scene right here when he's leaning in with the rolled up comic and telling we're dedicated to a higher purpose. We're the fighters for truth, justice in the American way. He's mini Stallone, dude. He's mini Stallone. Oh, it's so cool. By the way, though, nine-year-old Matthew thought this was cool as hell shit. Yeah, I wanted, dude. wanted to be just like him. I was like, hell yeah, this guy. He's in a, he owns a comic book store and he fights vampires. <laughs> coolest person ever. Apparently, the two like kind of stoners own it. They're called Frog Mom and Frog Dad. In the, in the <laughs> credits. Yeah, in the That's credits. That's so good. <laughs> um, so good. But yeah, I like, I like the fucking Alan Frog, the other frog. Is uh yeah. got the airborne shirt on. Alan and yeah. Edgar Frog. I get it. You Keep- know what this is too? It's a perfect example of like it's in this movie it's completely cartoonish like characterization, obviously, but the two stoner hippie parents are so stoned out that they're just completely absent. And how do their kids rebel? They go super militaristic. I love it. <laughs> I just love how that's their idea. Like, fuck it, we're gonna be straight up soldiers. And they take themselves so seriously. So seriously. Take that number on the back and pray you never need to call us. <laughs> Think of it more of a survivor manual. This comic. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, this is kind of cute. Michael buys himself a leather jacket so he can be cool like the Lost Boys. That's <laughs> true. It's, and then he's like, oh, I should get my ear pierced. Get and my ears pierced. Gotta be cool guy. And this is where Star's like, it's a ripoff. Imagine that. <laughs> It's a ripoff. You turn around, she's standing there. Go, go, God. What do I do? I'm under your spell. Uh, uh, Don't look at my boner. Oh, oh, so your parents too, star, former hippies. I came this close to being called Moonbeam or something like that, right? Or Moonchild. Yeah. And uh, they kind of walk over to David. And again, this is... You know what's good about this man? It's not just like they're hunting him. They're kind of courting him. A little bit. The, the yeah. shots of Michael walking over to his bike, him watching her and Star, I mean Star and him, and then they kind of roll in. Right, right. And you know, after at this point too, after having you know seen it again, I'm still wondering, are they seeing him as a kill for Star? Or are they starting to already look at him as well? Maybe we can recruit him. I think they're kind of seeing how it goes. Yeah, I think that's what I like about it actually too. Is that yeah. there's this whole they don't really care. They're just kind of playing with it all and letting it see how it plays out. Yeah, and they're definitely. It's funny they have such a hedonistic lifestyle. They just the way they operate, right? right? Like We're a bunch gonna, of wild boys that they never have to are, grow up who don't die. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Dude. So um, he asks him about, I believe, Hudson's Bluff. He's like, I can't beat your bike, David. He's like, you don't have to beat me. Just keep up. Just try and keep up. And off they go. Say hey, by hello the way, to the night. Want to take a quick stab at how many times the name Michael is uttered aloud in this movie? Oh, man. Probably, probably 70. Try 118 times. Holy shit. <laughs> a shooting low. They say Michael a lot. That's awesome. <laughs> Michael, 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 Michael. Everybody. Oh, that's fucking, right. The cacophony you know what I'm saying? of Michael. They say it so much in this movie. 
I feel like if anything, uh, our our boy fucking Kiefer says it the most. Micah. Yeah. Um, they're talking to but Jason honestly, Patrick in the in the chat, um, and they're asking about other movies he did. I want to recommend to them that they should check out the film Rush. My high school girlfriend introduced me to that movie. It's it's hard to watch, but it's pretty it's pretty cool from what I remember. But I didn't know dick about movies in 1991. What's funny is that I look at you know a good example of what we just covered: Gremlins versus this. Each of them has a main protagonist who kind of didn't really go on to as much. But with Jason Patrick, Jason Patrick versus Zach Galligan, I'm like shit, dude. Jason Patrick has got so much more going on. Yeah, he did Sleepers. He did a few. He did a few movies. All right, all right. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. You don't don't he's cry for the the dude who banged the pretty woman. In, <laughs> That's right. In Star. Okay. There you go. Never, never should a tear. Um, no, I, dude, this next sequence, these motor, this fucking cool, dirt huh? bikes racing to the edge of the cliff, dude. I fucking love it. I this just love the really bikes cool. bombing down the bombing across the sand with the with the roller coasters behind him. Come on, man! Fucking it full of life, so these guys. Good. It for corpses, so good. they're full of life. It's <laughs> a cool full of shot. Undead life. Hell yeah! Get out there and live, live for me, Wyatt. But like a part of this, I see it almost as like a testing of his instincts too. Of like they're how definitely far, testing him. I mean, yeah, he literally says, "How far will you go, Michael?" You know, at, at this point, once he gets him all the way up to the edge, and Michael bails right before the the edge, and his you know the the front tire of his bike is hanging off of the cliff, and that's when he runs up and punches him. And I actually like this moment from Michael a lot too, where he's like, "Just you, just <laughs> you," because he knows all these other dudes are gonna jump all over him. That was actually pretty badass. I was yeah. like, ah, a nice singular challenge. But then him replying with, "How far will you go?" Yeah, dude. so fucking dope. Such a Kiefer Sutherland's lines just ooze. Totally. He's so good. He has such a way about him, especially vintage Sutherland. This I, I feel like he's just so good at this this role, yeah. a role Schumacher he was passed on. By funny. the way, yeah. Schumacher said the exact same thing about him. He said of of you know he has more lines than the other vampires, but he has some of the least lines of anybody in the movie. He's like, but the guy just has presence. Like he, he does, just man. Worked in this movie, and he really does. I mean, he's fucking great. Yeah, it's 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 like if it's like if his character in Stand by Me became a vampire, he'd be this character, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Totally, totally true. Hundred percent. Yep. That's also the role that got him this role, which I'm like makes perfect sense. Yeah, that hardly surprises me. Yeah. That and having a father named Donald Sutherland. <laughs> Who was in a vampire movie after his son. Oh, the yeah. original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, that's right. With Pee yeah. Wee Herman. Yeah. Who gets his fucking arm ripped off Dude, in that movie. Side note, that movie was seeing Pee Wee Herman. We were like, dude, have you seen Pee Wee Herman in this crazy movie? He's got long hair and yeah, he's dude. a vampire and he looks Same. like a total badass. That's same. all we were talking about, shit. dude. Dude, by the way, that movie everybody talks about. When you you can't say Buffy the Vampire Slayer now without people going, "Oh, the show, yeah, the show is great." I'm like, no, the movie. Rightfully I fucking so, love the movie. Come on, like, okay, go easy, dude. The movie's so everybody forgets about it. And I'm not saying the show's bad or anything. I have nothing bad to say about the show, but I'm almost a little sad that it's been so overshadowed at this point. Where I'm like, dude, mm. the original movie's actually really great. Isn't Rutger Hauer in it? Rutger Hauer isn't he the main vampire in that movie? I think he is. Ooh, I think so. I think he it's is. Been, it's been a minute, though. Anyway, uh, cool cinematography stuff in this bike chase. A lot of the great, just there's something about this that 
makes you feel like you're being swept up into some other vampiric world, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And also, I mean, those those moments, those shots where even after all this, like Michael's been challenged, you know, all all David had to do when he came over there with all his boys on their bikes, star, and she just hops off of Michael's bike and back onto his, like, damn. (laughs) Damn, you're not getting this girl, at least so it seems. But when she keeps looking back at him from the back of David's bike, of course he's going to keep going. Of course. course he's going to be urged on. Like, I just love how it's all drawing him in. It's perfect. Yeah, man. It's just a grand seduction on, on many levels. Um, truly. And, but, but not just that, but like the darkness of it, the weird use of strobe lighting and fog. It just makes you feel like you're being swept up into something supernatural. Right. It's right. cool, man. It's just, and, and, that, me... and that happens more too when we get to the railroad stuff, but yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's what kind of makes me sad about this in a way, at least as far as Joel Schumacher goes, what a visual eye in this movie, what an eye for style of, of throughout mm. all of this. And I think that really works. And boy, how silly does that shit get later on <laughs> with Joel Schumacher movies. <sighs> God yeah. damn, what a mess. But it so works here, man. It works yeah. really well. How about, the, how about the goddamn Vampire Haven? What a great set Fantastic. spot. That's, it's that's great. what I'm looking at right now and just watching it. I'm like, God, it looks like, I mean, visually, this movie is so influential as far as vampires and the look of vampires in, in movies go. Sure. I mean, across the board. Yeah. Yeah, the you their know, eyes it, are the teeth are faces, their haven, their clothes, all of it, uh, uh, and it has influenced so much. I mean, it's influenced White saying. Wolf for sure. I mean, oh, if you look yeah. at some of Tim Bradstreet's art, you are going, okay, that's definitely Dwayne from Lost Boys, <laughs> right? That's that's him, isn't it? Look at the buckles and the in the zippers and the leather and the fucking earrings and the in the boots and the hair. Like, come on, man, that's him, right? Totally. <clears throat> And, you know, uh, there was the other movie that kind of gets into this rebellious type of street-level vampire would be Near Dark, right? They're, they kind of have that totally. together. Near Dark, they're a lot more psych- they're a lot more homicidal. They're also a lot older and probably older. stronger. They're more brutal for sure. Uh, this is definitely a different feeling type of movie, but, but um, for sure influential. Like you said, it gets, it gets away from the capes and the, and the things of this nature. Right. Like, what do vampires look like in the 80s? If you get turned into a vampire, like, how long did it take somebody to actually say, if you get turned into a vampire in the 80s, or if you're a vampire in 1980, what's that like? And I know, and I know it's been done before the movies. I know Anne Rice did it with a vampire Lestat. I get it. I know about The Hunger with David Bowie, which I highly recommend, by the way. Um, But it's cool. You know, it's just cool to see that, to get away from the capes and the top hats and shit. Totally. And and just to... To get away from this whole like secluded nature of vampires, because I feel like that's a big part of the original Dracula story that you know, carries over to a lot of other later Dracula stories of how secluded and in isolation he is and how secretive he is. He's not. It's and not how, a pack. It's not a pack. Right. Right. It's not a pack, and it's also just like these guys are still in the world. Like they they go out and are sure. among people and stuff. And it's like I, I like that. I like this this inclusion of them being predators among us, not somebody up in a castle who comes down occasionally. You know what I equate that to? It's, it's, a, it's a good talking point. I, I equate that to their youth. I, I might not be in total agreement with you on how, how young they are, but they're definitely younger, and they probably just haven't developed that alien mind yet. 
And that's something that I, I know think. What you mean. Yeah, do you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, and this is something I've said ad nauseum. And where this they podcast. realize how truly different they are. Yeah, like when everyone. when you've seen three generations of people succumb to old age, you just don't know how to interact anymore. You become an alien, and that's Dracula. He's so old, he can't go to the fucking store and interact with you normally. It's too. It's too annoying. It's like. No, I mean, I'm just going to do what I want and take what I want because I have, that's, your, your lives are so insignificant. The, the way you may step on an ant is the way he feels about everything around him when you start to get to that advanced age, whereas these guys are still, you'd almost argue in the Louis sense, they're clinging to their mortal coil, so to speak. They're still right. behaving as like, oh, wow. Got to get it all in while I can. Or, or I just, oh, I can't die? Wow, I can be a crazy person and just sustain wounds and live? This is nuts. No one can, nobody can do anything to me? I mean, there's a confidence in that that is, that is really incredible to, to walk out onto that boardwalk and be just like, I, can, I could kill everyone here tonight if I wanted to. There's, that's going <laughs> to fuck with your head, man. It's going to totally. fuck with your head. Totally. No, I agree. Yeah. But I, I like seeing that that change here because this really was this and Near Dark were the I feel like the major at least in Hollywood at least in you know because I, f- I feel like it's a little it took a long time for the Anne Rice books to catch up with pop culture. I'm not saying they didn't have a following and weren't popular before that, but to be influential. Across you mean in all film? Of, yeah, once they started hitting film, they were they were bestsellers. Right. That kind of shit. Sure. Yeah, but I'm sorry. I'm talking about like I feel like. Once you start to see a portrayal of a certain thing across books, TV, yes. movies, and in just other media, if that starts to become your like, like how Here, the here's Joker, what I'll say. It, it influenced a subculture for sure, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. and then kind of a culture at large. And Rice, right. I'm talking about, right, right. And whereas I feel like you know there have been very different graphic depictions of the Joker in comics for years that have varied from how he's portrayed in movies. But then the Dark Knight came out, and the Joker, even in the comics now, it, it's gone all the way back down through the comics and through about every other iteration of the character is very similar to the Ledger Joker. Like, that's become sure. the way it's seen. And I feel like this this and Near Dark kind of influenced the overall idea of what vampires look and act and move like from this point forward. Right. Which is pretty pretty major. It was, And it's funny because it's the same way it was for me. I hit it at that same time timeline of like i thought of vampires a certain way before this and then a completely different way after yeah and in so much of this is just awesome like when they, when they go down into the haven there's just just watch the way they move excitedly right i, I mean you can see paul r.i.p by the way he passed away brooke mccarter oh, really? yeah the guy who plays the the rocker looking vampire with the blonde hair oh yeah okay. like a weird thing some fucked with him and killed him in his fifties. Something, some kind of genetic thing. I, I don't know. Sad though. Oh, <clears throat> At least that's what I read briefly. But just the way he kind of hops down and they're all like, "Woohoo, yeah!" Twirling, throwing the fucking torch, and David just has this deadly sort of quiet grace behind them. And this is yeah. key for Sutherland, what he brings to the role, right? Whereas they're all like hooting and hollering and fucking slathering around. And then the leader in all black kind of just strolls through. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's cool, man. And, and I feel like it, Schumacher must have been like, all right, you guys fucking, yeah, woo, whoop it up. Awesome. Great. Have fun. Make your way down. Great. Twirl around. Walk around the fountain. Put on the music. Hop down. Great. Now, Kiefer, you come in. 
you fucking you you are the man. You you are above this. You are right. And he just kind of strolls in. Like that's how I imagine the way this shit goes. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> the way he just nonchalantly <clears throat> is in control of all of it. Doesn't have to flex. Yeah, he doesn't have to. He has such a he's such a smooth operator in the way he, he moves around. <laughs> it's cool, man. But um, great scene, very memorable scene. And this directly influenced Vampire the Masquerade, this scene, because there's a group of vampires in that intellectual property that rely on illusion magic, and they're called Ravnos, and they're largely gypsy-like and very nomadic, and they use illusions. And this is the kind of shit they do, like, oh, how are those maggots, Michael? And he sees maggots, and then they're not the rice. He's like, oh, you're eating worms, he sees worms. They're not worms. That cool, like, illusion shit fucking with you, tricking you. And I'm just like, God, that's just so badass, man. Right? I don't think True. they do that right here. That's coming later. No. He's just showing them the haven. He's just saying, you know, 1906, when the big one hits San Fran, the ground opened up, and this place took a header. Claps his hands right into the crack. And now it's mine, I think he says. Or now it's ours. There you go. So we see the Haven first, and I like this. I like the shots of Jamie Gertz here because she has a very pensive look on her face. She's, she's concerned for Michael. She's, she knows David. She sees how he operates, but she's powerless to do anything against him. So she seems quite concerned here for, for Michael in this scene, and I like that. I like that we're communicating this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Having second thoughts about what she's involved in. Right. And then we go, uh, we go back to Sam. Sam and mom. <laughs> this is one of the only times she really talks about getting divorced, too. This is part, sure. of, part of why they moved. Yep. You know, and she's trying to be playful with him. Oh, big part of why I got divorced. Your dad never believed in the closet monster. Mm. Yep. Uh, lovely image of um, Molly Ringwald from 16, can- uh, sweet, uh, 16 Candles. Jesus Christ, I can't talk. I, I think so. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. It's Molly Ringwald. At first, I thought it was a dude. But, oh, no, there is a dude in this room. There sure is. Do you know who that is? <laughs> Rob Lowe looking yes. sexy as fuck. Rob fucking <laughs> Lowe showing off his abs. Because evidently, so I'm noticing He's one thing. He's literally showing yeah. off his abs. <laughs> so I'm noticing one thing from, from these Donner and Schumacher movies that – all of their like, there's a copy of the Goonies in the background. At yeah, some yeah, point. yeah. So in a different Donner movie, the same year he had a, uh, a like a marquee at a movie theater say Lost Boys. They like to throw in the stuff they've worked on, and so he thought he directed uh, Rob Lowe in some movie a year or so before this, and he thought, well, I want to get a poster of Rob Lowe because he was in one of my movies. I'm like, you put that up in this like 14 year old boy's room? I mean, I guess, so I guess. Weird. Maybe he's still figuring himself out. I don't know. Maybe he's liking them, Rob. He moved, he moved in real quick. Moved yeah. in real quick. That, that, that was one of the first. That, hey, this is their first like three days in this house, and that's one of the first things he put up. <laughs> so excited to get his Rob Lowe poster uh, back up. Man, that's so good, though. Uh, this is a line I stole for years. How could a billion Chinese people be wrong? Ah, that's a good line. Great line, dude. <laughs> You don't like rice? <laughs> uh, this scene's lit very well. There's a great, the way they shoot uh, Sutherland, he has, a, he has a spotlight, I mean, literally shining down on his head. If you look at him against everyone else, they're all sort of lingering in, the, in those warm shadows, and he has that just white, bright light on him. Bang. Oh, yeah. The king in his throne. That's what I love about this. You ask, you get. 
How are those maggots, Michael? You're eating maggots. How do they taste? <laughs> I love that. <sighs> You're eating maggots. How do they taste? Like, that's him, like, enchanting him right there. And Absolutely. Putting the thought in his mind. <laughs> Powerful. And Star knows what's going on. Leave him alone. Stop making him think he's eating nasty And they're all like, shut up, girl. Like all the other guys. (laughs) I don't know if you hear it. It's kind of under their breath. It's cool. Try some noodles. (laughs) They're worms. What do you mean they're worms? (laughs) It's so good, dude. And uh, he utters, get my wine. Wow. Get my wine. I like that. uh, I love that yard sale bottle. I think it's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> ancient and vampiric, yeah. Roll around oh, in the yeah. dirt. <laughs> <laughs> that their prop guy right before they start shooting. Roll around in the dirt, make it look yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. Put, a, put the dust dirt on it. up. You dump some more cheer wine in there. Hmm. So, <laughs> is he drinking his own blood? No, man. I think it's Max's blood. Okay. That's my thoughts anyways. That's it, what makes sense to me. It does, except later he says, you drink my blood. I think he's fucking with him. Okay. He's just saying that. Because also I think that's, that's a, it's not alluded to very much, but I think that's probably the small power struggle between uh, David and Max. That Max is the head vampire who probably made David, who then went on to make these vampires. And I bet there is a little bit of, oh, I want to fucking take on Max eventually, some Sith apprentice shit going on here. Mm. Um, but I think that's Max's blood that he allowed David to have to turn people. Makes sense. I, I, I accept those terms. <laughs> That's my uh, cinematic universe theory for Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. I like how I like how Star tries to tell him not to without explicitly just making him not by grabbing him or anything. She says, don't do it. He does. Because he's like a blood. It's not blood. Like he's like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's crazy talk. It's wine that- or something. Dude, and that totally strikes me as realistic. Like, For sure. No person would, you would just be like, oh, yeah, these guys say it's blood. They're fucking being all silly. You would just not give a shit. Well, she says it. They seriously. don't say it. I know, but I mean, like, the fact that she's, like, believing it. Right, you know, right. would be like, oh, okay, yeah, you guys are all being fucking silly. Right. For sure. And uh, we get this this awesome piece by Ellie Guns, Cry Little Sister. And uh, I love the superimposing, the images. I love the I, very... Yeah. Ah, it's just, this works so well. For um, this, it works so well. I really like it. I'm normally not somebody who likes me that neither. Like, me neither. weird montage cut and paste-like style, but I fucking think it looks cool here. It's, it looks cool because, it's, because we see they're celebrating him drinking it, which should be very unsettling to you, but it isn't. And it isn't, it's because you're kind of stuck in this weird thing, this weird, again, he's being seduced by all he's of this. Seduced. It's, That's what it it's is. really slick, man. You, you, we know <laughs> this is bad, but they shoot it in a way that's, yes, it's bad and uncomfortable, but also enticing at the same time, which exactly. is, which is essentially quintessential vampiric storytelling. Like this is not good yet i i am oddly appealing it's oddly appealing and i can't quite break away from it exactly exactly that's yeah. that's perfect vampire level shit here. right my and this is also God, the, the beginning turning of, head of of david here oh, it's so good. <laughs> and the beginning of michael right michael right 118 times yeah they shit here where they walk out what's going on 
And uh, fucking dude, Marco bombs away, jumps down. <laughs> this is great shit. It's awesome. Yeah, come with us, Michael. And I just love, uh, there is a, sh- that, first of all, the way Sutherland does it, just so great. But um, there's a shot of Sutherland that's so good here. After, I think it's after, um, it, no, no, it's when he looks down and they have just Sutherland in the frame and he's hanging upside down. Uh, he's hanging off of it and just looks there. It's just a cool shot in David, i.e. Sutherland, looks so devious. Where he's like saying, come on down. Yeah, yeah he's looking ah, up at him, the black so gloves good. holding the fucking railing. Ah, man, it's a great shot. It's so fucking good. This whole sequence is actually really great because they are just taunting him and they're yep. taunting him with their power. That, that's like what he's not realizing. You know, that they hang on to these fucking bars like a bunch of crazy, you know, wild boys. Ah, we're out here hanging on to the train. But when they start letting go, you're like, holy shit, these guys are killing themselves. It's cool. That can't be what's happening, right? Like, they're like assaulting your fucking senses. Like, uh, that makes no rational sense what they're doing. And then him, you know, David saying, come on, Michael, let go. You're one of us now. Mm -hmm. And then, down into the fucking mist he disappears the way he yeah. lets go too is just so odd. but but also the mist like this is can it can i before we push past can i just liken this back to the stuff with the motorcycle racing there's this fantastic quality to the atmosphere of your surroundings when you're dealing with vampires you don't see anything you see mist everywhere why you don't <laughs> know what's down there man like it's cool i like that i like that it's not just we see everything. There's a I just think it's really slick the way they go about doing this. Yeah. It's very yeah. mysterious. You don't know what's going on. And like you said, the way David lets go and he just keeps his fingers like shot out when he lets go and he keeps his hands above his head and he doesn't say anything, he just lets go. Just and his arms kind of like almost like wings like smack through the the mist. That's ah, good. It's awesome, man. And Michael, of course, holds on for dear life and eventually yeah, of course. can't hold on. But I love him hearing the voices of all the rest yes. of the guys. They're like, come on, Michael. We're down here. Dude. Still, we're fine. Dude. Oh, it's so creepy. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeesh. And they know he can't hold on forever. And he no. drops. Yeah, yeah. He had exhausted himself. And then David just says, you're one of us, Michael. Whoa. Down he goes. Into the awakened bed into this mists, into this unknown. But like you said, then the voices ring up at him like goddamn sirens. Exactly. <laughs> and I do, I do like him pausing for a second in the mist to kind of realize like I'm, something's off. Like, yeah, I'm something's still, off here. I'm still up here. And then he starts screaming again, but wakes up in bed. Yeah, dude. That's perfect. You don't know what happened. Right? It's such a good mystery. Yeah. <laughs> It's, Sam wakes him up the next morning. It's two o'clock, Michael. <laughs> you fucking deadbeat. You're freebasing. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. I caught you a couple cultural references like, come on down, Michael Emerson. That's some Price is Right shit. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the chat, Elzar, they gave him wine and he just plummets to his death. <laughs> <laughs> just one sip is all it takes. Yep. He's rocking those Ray-Bans, which were back in style, probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They'll never go out now. And my, yeah, and Mom's like, um, Max asked me to dinner. Can you stay with Sammy while he's putting a weird thing in his hair? 
Um, <laughs> and he's like, look, I don't need a babysitter. And he's like, listen. And she's like, look, help me out, man. I'm working all day. I Just help me out. I really want to do I'd this. I love... I actually love how she says that. She's like, I haven't been asked out in a long time. I'd like to have a social life too, okay? Can you please? Yep. And he's like, fine. She's like, thank you. It's a real favor. Like, she's a good, I'm she's like, ah, awesome. she's, a, she's a good mom, man. She really like, is. She's, she's, you know, because he is a much older son. He's got to be approaching 20 if he's not already. Um, and just being like, look, come on. You know how it's like? You want to go on a date too? Fucking, can I have this? Can't you be cool for a minute to your mom? Right. And he's like, fine. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Grandpa's got a date. So he's getting out of the house. He's got Windex. Time to spritz Windex on my face because I'm a quirky old man. Yeah. Hey, you like my headband? <laughs> Dropping my handiwork off at the Widow Johnson. The Widow Johnson. Fuck a first name. Mm, Fuckers don't Just, matter. That's don't how matter. she's known in a small town. Just the Widow Johnson. <laughs> you going to stuff her beaver? Wah, wah. And, uh, by the way, how does that night go? Grandpa's night? Yeah, like, I brought you your stuffed pet dog that died? Wanna fuck? Can I go ahead and make myself comfortable on the couch? <laughs> he takes that out of a bag. <laughs> he just puts on a glow-in-the-dark condom while she's in the bathroom and then turns off all the lights and waits for her. Yeah, I guess. She's like, I smell cappy on your neck. No, no, <laughs> hey, you got my lightsaber ready. That's Swintex. <laughs> mm, God. So he drives off doing his thing. Off he goes. Got a, a Dynasty reference. Been watching too much Dynasty. And uh, oh, yeah. more illusion stuff, dude. Dude, this is so good. Cool, because man. even Sam sees it. Even the dogs reacting to it. All of the fucking lights and the bikes roaring up. The windows, curtains blowing in. But nothing. It sounds like they've rolled up here, but no one's actually there. I always, I will always remember that. He opens the door and they're just gone. Uh, do you think they were ever there at all, or is it purely an illusion? Near, nearby, probably using an illusion, or or maybe they just vanished themselves when he stepped out. Nice. One of the yeah. two, right? I mean, it's either an illusion or they vanished. But or either they flew way, away holding their motorcycle shit. <laughs> that looked hilarious. <laughs> All right, guys, turn him off. No, you gotta fly away with him. <laughs> oh no, Marco dropped his motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> They're standing out there looking at how no one's there, and it's so creepy. And then, bang! A fucking motorcycle just hits the ground, and some guy up in the sky is like, "Shit!" Yeah. But um, cool sequence here with Michael going to get some water again. By, uh, milk, milk carton, missing kid on the carton, by the way. So many missing people. We already, hell, we even, we went past the, uh, the, uh, his mom seeing the poster go up for the security guard they killed. Oh, right on. Missing person. Also, Lots I just lots. love that. I love that they dispose of them. Missing. Missing. Who knows? That's the move, right? <laughs> you leave body, you got evidence, you got a murder mystery, you got a whole different thing. Yeah, you just gotta eat them straight up. That's it. But um, uh, Sam getting real, uh, getting real musical in the bathtub. <laughs> getting real cute. <laughs> While Michael gets real creepy. Yep, getting real hey, creepy. Dude, him coming up the stairs. Oof. I love how they shoot that. Yeah, like, his, you can't his body see his face at all. Yeah. It's completely dark, and he's just coming up. And it looks like, wait a minute, I'm about to wolf out on somebody. 
Oh, hell yeah. I love it. I love the dog. Before he's even up, up the stairs, the dog's already, like, starting to get tense. Mm. Yeah. He just fucking dives on him as soon as he opens the door. Yeah. That's, that, that beast's coming at you quick, man. That's a good dog. That's a good dog right dog there. Dog gets That's a, a fucking kill. <laughs> gets a kill later in the movie. It's true. But, uh, yeah. Dog fucking rules. Yep. It's funny, too, because it's, like, probably friendly to him normally, but he's vamping out. Something Vampin. wrong with him, and the dog's like, fuck, I must correct you. Dude, he stinks of vampire. The dog's not having it. Not having it. And they tumble down the stairs. Luckily, Nanook is unscathed. And um, I love the tension here. I love him coming up out of the water. The dog's not there, and he's like, what the fuck? I mean, how <laughs> terrified would you be? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dog's out there, doors open, you hear clattering downstairs. Suddenly everything that the Frog Brothers told you is ringing true in your ears. I mean, put, oh, yourself, dude, put yourself in Sam's position here. I'd be terrified. Oh, terrified. I mean, especially once he goes down there and, you know, uh, Michael's bleeding and he's like, what do you do? What'd you do to my dog? <laughs> he, he's like, I didn't do anything to your dog. Your dog bit me. He was protecting you. Yeah. And then the fucking reflection in the mirror. And this is actually <sighs> something... I'd forgotten about from this movie that I actually kind of like as far as what they introduced to vampire like lore that he's not a full vampire. Correct. It's reversible. That he's, you know, he's drank the blood so he does have the urge and some of the abilities but he hasn't drawn blood from a victim so he's not all the way there. Yeah. It's, and so like his his reflection is still there but it's just fading. Yeah, it's, um, it depends on, you know, there's different mythos. We always talk about this when we talk vampires. Like, this um, clearly they don't do it the the in rice way, which is the way I really dig. Which is you know you drain you to death and then give you undead blood and you rise a vampire. That's fucking cool. That's the way vampire does it as well. The the game um, in this it just appears you drink some blood and then perhaps if you kill somebody or maybe something of this nature you get going. But should the head head vampire die, I guess it reverts you if you haven't Back been to fully turned yet. I'm guessing. And there are, God, there's other vampire lore that is purely if a vampire bites you. I feel like yeah. I see that less and less now, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, because I think if you start to think about that logically, you go, that's just outrageous. Like, how could they ever do it? They could never do it. The planet would be vampires. Because every time you bite someone, they, they're a vampire. So every night you feed, I mean, just start doing that math. Or it's like, I guess, like, it used to be if you bit somebody and didn't kill them, then they would turn. But it's like, if you bite them and just kill them, they're, they're dead. Yeah, uh, that's true, yeah, too. If you, yep. if you bite them, drain a little blood, and leave them, then they're going to turn. In the, in the masquerade lore, it's if you drink a vampire's blood, you become what's called a ghoul, which is kind of how it's represented in this movie, which kind is like, of, you start yeah. to get these, like, slight powers. He can never overpower David, which he does later in the movie, but he get you do get some slight powers. You You do become bonded to the one's blood you're drinking so you you kind of it'd be hard to rebel against max say say you apply the vampire the masquerade rules to this movie michael would kind of be on the path of becoming a ghoul and thus a thrall of max um because it's max's blood and he would start to exhibit some powers ghouls live forever as long as they continuously get nourished by the vampire blood if you take it away they start to like rage years in hours if especially if they go past their light like say you're a 150 year old ghoul and somebody stops giving vampire blood you start like vanishing in hours you just start aging rapidly it's pretty cool um and a lot of times at least in that lore a vampire will groom you by way of making you a ghoul 
in introducing you into the into their twisted fucking hierarchy that way, and then perhaps you know, embracing you later. Kind of. See what's so funny about that is that the thing that has persisted probably because is what I saw first in my own mind is the old school nineteen fifties and sixties Dracula version of you get bit to be turned into a vampire right and, and I and I'm very aware that like most modern vampire stories don't do that it's about exchanging blood or drinking blood sure um, but I still go oh yeah it's not biting <laughs> right. it's not about the bite so much anymore that used to be the thing the bite well the bite in 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 depending on the lore you pick is typically the moment of of you become you be it it becomes impossible for you to resist at that point because apparently it's like you get filled with ecstasy which is really twisted cuz you're like coming and dying basically <laughs> you're like oh, oh i'm coming that. and then i'm unconscious from blood loss and then i'm dead we've seen that with lestat come on that's that's his whole thing right right that's you're not lying <laughs> <laughs> that's his whole fucking thing <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty crazy but um in the chat they're asking the mastery it was just a role-playing game that 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 developed a pretty huge intellectual property maria um and they kind of created vampires and in in their whole mythos and even though it was role-playing books and just a game there was a lot of uh, like novels and shit that spun off of it a lot of copycats came off of that we 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 did joke about underworld copying that intellectual property almost entirely with the with the struggle between werewolves and vampires and the secret society of the undead blah 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 but um yeah man so there's there's that <laughs> so bad breath long fingernails he calls the frog brothers good call right indeed cuz michael's having a rough day He's like, what? This is about the only people you can call at he's this like, point. He's like, all right, you lay down. He locks his door. He calls the Frog Brothers. <laughs> his fingernails are a bit longer. He's always had bad breath, though. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, he's a vampire, all right. That's all they needed to hear. That's it. Yeah, that's which I one thing I love about these characters too. The movie never lets you know how much they actually know versus how much they you know put off that they know, which I kind of like. Because at first you're like, well, have these guys actually killed vampires? And the way they act later on, I think, well, maybe they've killed a couple before this. But still the way they deduce who's a vampire is so hilariously, like, kid mind, you know? Like, all right, he's got long nails. Sounds like a vampire. That's for sure. He slept all day. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to kill this guy now? Very cool. Oh, shit. He just tells him as he's sleepy. He's like, you're going to grab a steak, (laughs) drug. We'll do it. No your funeral pal we see the uh, the frog mother and frog father sleeping in the background um, so another cool out of time weird thing is when he wakes up against the ceiling oh yeah that's such a great so word. slick he turns and looks down at his room he's like what the fuck you just drift up into your ceiling you know yeah no something big deal. that happens to every teenage boy yeah I, I thought the flight aspect was kind of cool I like the idea of a vampire flying that's nuts man Without being like a bat. That would have been too cheesy for this movie, you know? I mean, is that is this movie the first time we saw that, really? Yeah, I think so. I, I can't recall a movie where they just fly. Shit, I guess not. Because, yeah, in my mind, that's just something I take for granted with, yeah. with a lot of vampires now. At least, you know, the good ones, the Anne Rice-style ones. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, shit, you might be right. This might be one of the earlier times of that, too, of them not morphing into something they can just up and fucking fly. The the van, the van, the Anne Rice stuff is awesome because of the just sheer speed. 
Yeah. Like when, like the world. That, that open, which we talked about in the pod, but, you know, he's like, allow me to turn on the light. He just appears and the light goes on near the light and Christian's later like, what the fuck? He's like, no, I, I just moved too fast for you to see. Like, God damn, man. That's dangerous. <laughs> but that's, that's like the real powerful shit. And in this, they don't quite do that. They just, although they do move quick. We see that at the end and I'm looking forward to talking about that. But, um, but it, this, in this case, we have Michael just kind of struggling with this, this vampire blood coursing through his veins. It's, it's causing haywire with the system. He's starting to exhibit these, these powers. And uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. He's yelling to be helped and, and he's not, he's not sure, right? Sam's not sure with his giant swatch watch on the wall behind him. <laughs> it is as fuck. Hey, it is as fuck. They make a flying nun joke, right? And he's like, Sammy, open up. I'm your brother. And he appeals to his sensibilities. And um, the boy lets him in and they hug. And he's scared when he does it, but he does it. It's kind of touching, you know? It's, you feel bad for Michael. He's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm, we got to stick together, Sam. Right, right. This is what I buy about them as brothers, that he's still, you know, knowing like what he's already been led in on by the frog brothers about vampires and that they're out here and this, he's fitting the criteria and you can recognize it now. He still can't just throw out his brother. Like he's not willing to kill him. He's not mm-hmm. willing to toss him aside. He's like, don't tell mom anything. He's like, it's not like I'm getting a D or something. <laughs> this is, <laughs> what are you saying, man? Because she, he's already freaked out mom on the phone. We know mom's standing up, Max. She's rushing home. We'll work this out, Michael insists. We'll work it out. Trust me, Sammy. And, and she walks in. And um, he tries to play it off. <laughs> and I feel bad. Poor, poor Lucy here. Poor mom. Sam, are you all right? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Coming down the stairs all nonchalant. She's getting me half to death. It's okay, mom. I was reading a horror comic. <laughs> the, the door, their fridge is open and the milk's on the ground. Bunch of yeah. silly boys. Bunch of animals you live with, basically. <laughs> I love that it's Laddie on the milk carton. Oh, yeah. Very cool. More missing people. Michael slips out. Yep, he does. Good call. Pushes the bike away, and then he fires it off and takes off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's, like, going to stay the night in his mom's room. He's terrified. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't want to tell her. I mean, this is is 80s to a T. Not telling Uh, your parents what's going on. And and you got to think, how are they going to make them do this? How is that going to work? And it's because his brother is afflicted and they have to keep it from mom. Because normally you think he would just tell mom, like, this is crazy. This is what's going on. Right, right. And it kind of blows the movie open if you do that. So again, this is something you and I have spent time talking about, which is the the high schooler as a target in the 80s. And even before the 80s, the 70s. Which was because they lack power and influence over the world the way adults do. And it makes them right. easier to victimize, and it's more scary. It's more scary, and, the, and it, it forces there to happen, forces more things to happen in the story. Whereas an adult could just like, I'm just going to fucking leave. <laughs> I'm just going to get in my car and go away, or I'm just going to, you know, buy a pro- fucking bodyguard like somebody could even, <laughs> like some fucking some well off fucking person. Where it's like, as a teenager, there's no respite, there's no recourse for most of the threats happening to you. Yeah. We see this, oh, dude, the black bat kite that hits Max. 
This is a great red herring. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to make it think that he's being antagonized by these guys. Right, like they got their eyes set on him now. And he looks around, he seems a little bit nervous. You know what's funny about this, too, is I, I imagine now knowing, of course, that he's the actual head vampire, whereas him looking kind of surprised or nervous, is him not expecting them to have been there, but they're actually coming there for like a surprise or like an emergency meeting. Like they, they need you know, to talk to him. And he was like, well, why do you guys, why are you showing up here? Like they're, they're actually more in need of it than he realizes. Yeah. You think that's what it was? I was trying to piece that together this time too. Again, that's my theory. That's my working theory. Yeah. That they, you know, they might be trying to decide whether they want to try and bring Michael in or whether they want him to be a kill for a star. Part of me feels like David has this rebellious streak in him against Max as well. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I think that is definitely part. That, that's why he. I think he says later on, like, "Oh, it's my blood. Like, I'm the leader." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> back to the cave he goes. Back to their haven. He's screaming for Star, looking for Star. He needs to know what's happening. He's freaking out, and she's just kind of there, waiting, expecting <laughs> him. Totally. What's happening to me? And then they just start sucking things. <laughs> I don't know how to help you except for... <laughs> just fucking getting down with it. Hey, hey, laddie, cover your eyes. Put the pillow over your head. I'm fucking Michael now. <laughs> That's true. Laddie's just over there reading a comic book. <laughs> if, if I'm laddie at that age, I'm peeking. I'm not going to lie. Peeking. Taking little peeky pots. <laughs> Ah, oh, so 80s sex scene. This, oh, is, so this, this could have been Von Dom fucking in the scene, right? <laughs> we could, except it would have been a lot more of his ass. His ass, for sure. His ass, focused on. No tits or asses slip, to be dude, seen. You know what? You know what is so 80s? This, Slipping off shoulder straps. Yeah, baby. <laughs> that is mm. 80s as shit. Mm. Not just like pulling it off over the head. Slipping off straps yeah. that drip down the sides of your arms. Yeah, take your time with it, yo. Film through a satin fucking curtain. Take your time with it. What's the rush? <laughs> Got all night. Got all Lover. night. Hell yeah. <laughs> Man. I mean, we we probably should plan to come while we're listening to Cry Little Sister, though, or we're, <laughs> we're kind of missing out here. So. <laughs> Got to sync it up. Just put on repeat. Put, the, put on repeat. Flip the tape, Michael. Come on. Hurry Stop talking so hard and flip the tape. Flip Gotta the tape. Hurry back. back. Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But, you know, cool shit with the clouds. More, you know, whatever this is here. More vampires flying in. Flying in. And this is also when Michael, after he's done banging, um, notices that his hand is healed. Completely healed back up from uh, Nanook attacking him. Dude, gypsies bang so good, they heal your hand after sex. (laughs) He's never a vampire. He just got banged so good. Yeah. He's he's humping gypsies. That's what happens. Nothing heals a wound like gypsy squirt. Dude, nothing. Nothing better. Nothing. But yeah, it's cool. He pulls it off. I mean, you did have a giant husky bite into your hand and Seriously. put many puncture wounds in it. And uh, he strolls home the next morning. Mommy's waiting up. Hi, Michael. <laughs> and uh, she offers her motherliness to him. Right. Oh, we could talk about things. And, you know, one thing I actually think is funny about this scene and, and why are his glasses moments. askew 
so askew. Oh, because he's he's he so got, been ravaged. He got humped so bad, his fucking face is crooked. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, he tries to say this line of like, I have more serious things in my mind than girls in school, things you wouldn't. And she goes like, things I wouldn't understand. And he just walks away from it of like, ah, another moment of parents and kids not connecting, you know, not the kids not understanding that the parents have been through some of these things. I'm like, well, except she actually hasn't been a vampire. <laughs> like, it actually <laughs> does apply for once. She really doesn't understand. Um, but I just, I love those little morality tales that pop up in movies like this at times. They're like, ah, just needs to connect with his mom. And I'm like, except this issue, actually, she doesn't understand. <laughs> it doesn't kind of work. It's a metaphor. And, and gra- but Grandpa has the great counterpoint. Looks like I'm the only one who got lucky last night. Right. <laughs> Getting that snatch. <laughs> what is Sam's shirt in the breakfast scene? <laughs> I don't know. Dude, do you see Little it? cartoon people fucking holding each other's dresses. God. <laughs> yeah. Straight as an arrow. I don't know, man. You tell me. It's your decade. You explain the 80s to me. I don't fucking know. I have no idea what that shirt's about, dude. <laughs> and again, I was laddie's age. These boys were older than me. They were already made. They were of the age to make bad choices. <laughs> oh, I made bad choices too, but I don't think I ever made that <laughs> bad of a yet. choice shirt-wise. <laughs> well, at this point too, because I think we did kind of gloss over the fact that on that night where where their mom comes home and after after Sam had called them and everything and running into to to Michael flying. She cut her date with Max short, so she yeah. had to, you know, cut that date short. Run home to because she was worried about her boys. Um, she felt really bad about ditching him, and you know, the last time we saw Max, he saw the vampires rolling in. Yeah, and this time around, I love the little false flag we get of her rolling up, and his dog is just like fucking Cujo. Dude, is not sh- having it. Not having it. Chases her all the way up to the fence door. She has to throw herself over it. It still gets a chunk of her dress. I mean, Sam comes banging running over through there. the fence. That's a sh- that is a determined animal. Serious. But, ready to kill. But Mrs. Ryan knows a little something about mom. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. I noticed a little something about her going off. <laughs> yeah, what'd you notice? Yeah, just just saying. Just saying. Would you okay? <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying, if you want to bring up the Smash Brothers. That's all I'm gonna say. Smash but, but this is awesome because it makes us we get back to the hounds of hell. Right back to the comic <laughs> shop. And and Sam's like, no, this is the hounds of hell. We've right, been aware of right. serious vampire activity for a long time in this town. We're almost certain ghouls and werewolves occupy high positions at City Hall. So good. Sick it's dude. Fucking white wolf is shit. Yeah, kill your brother. You'll be happier. <laughs> You'll feel much better. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, good. dude. Yeah, my brother's I just a vampire. Love their He's only characters. half. Right? They bring up the half stuff. Right, and you know, I love how aware they are of the actual threat, but how unaware they are of how this would feel to tell to someone. Like, sure. Oh, you kill your brother. It's fine. Don't be happy. <laughs> it's like they also like they grossly have... over exaggerate their martial prowess. Oh, when dealing vastly. with ancient creatures. <laughs> so good. You know, like children do. Of course. <laughs> oh, man, it's so good. But but Sam's convinced on the Hounds of Hell story, and he's like, and, and Edgar's like, no shit. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Also, but it's funny that Sam doesn't put it together right here. Like, well, wait, who owned that Hound of Hell? 
not David, not right. your brother, not no, your No, he mom. does put it together here. Well, he says Max. Um, this all started when my mom went to work at Max's video store, but he doesn't really – I mean, I guess they, no, they, they do they, start to – they, they say, s- well, check out Max. He's like, okay, yeah. right? Right, right. But it, I don't know. It seems like his suspicion here, it, it took a while for it to rise. What? I'm saying for, for him to start to really suspect Max. It's only once he's like, all right, we got to go back to the house, and they're wanting to have him like over for dinner and all that shit. Yeah, there's no reason he would have suspected Max until the dog attacks until her, the dog. and he makes a connection through the comic. Yeah, no, I guess that's true. Right? That is true. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm just thinking about it wrong. That's okay. Um, what happens when my mom's dating the head vampire? You guys can nail him and save Santa Carla, he tells the Frog Brothers. Truth yeah. dresses the American way triumphs. Thanks to you too. I love it. I love how he's selling these guys because he needs allies. And they and they <laughs> capitulate. They're like, all right, we'll check out Max. <laughs> Fucking I awesome. Mean they're getting dude. a lead. Finally. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jason Patrick putting out candles, zipping up his leather jacket, and he's going out, baby. He's got shit to do. But not until he invites the head vampire in. Yeah, clever. On your first watch, well, I guess you were a kid. Had you suspected anything at this point? Oh, as a kid, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Rewatching it again this time, I couldn't remember exactly how Max was involved, but in this scene when he's like, well, as the man of the house, I'm not going to come in unless you invite me. And I was like, oh, shit, you really are the main vampire, aren't you? Like, you really are the head vampire. It's good. Edward Herman, you must be Max. What's so good about that, too, is that this movie is such a kind of shakeup and, like, reestablishing of what vampires are and how they work. But... If you were somebody who was already a Dracula fan and a vampire horror movie fan, that is a piece of, that's a tidbit of knowledge you would get. You'd be like, oh shit, he's asking to be invited in because he's a fucking vampire. Yeah. If you, like if you're watching a vampire movie, you're on high alert for such a request. If it's oh. any other movie, it kind of just, it's just normal and you right. have to invite me in. But I'm so twisted by vampire film that I always just, I'm like, ah, he's a vampire, even if I'm watching like a drama. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just say it, I just say it because it's you know fun. It's just a habit at this point, but it's you know you become high alert to such things. <laughs> I just love it that you know it's it's like fan service to the already vampire fans. Yeah, sure, it's cool. But um, you know Max comes in and, and Max and Lucy are corny, and um, <laughs> he's like apologizing for Thorne's behavior. He sends his apologies, gives her the flowers. Um, she giggles and laughs and. He says, you know, if you come back, he promised to behave. And then, shit, they turn, and the Frog Brothers are in the frame with Sam. And he's like, oh, here's my friends. They're here for <laughs> I <had> dinner. Company. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say you had company. <laughs> oh, he's like, okay, well, we'll just eat peanut butter in the kitchen. I love the fucking, like, manipulation. <laughs> like, oh, we'll just <laughs> no, eat peanut no. butter. <laughs> Little shit. No, that's fine. Come ruin my date. It's fine. Yep. Dude, it's hilarious. It's great. Yeah. Do you want some Parmesan cheese? But it throws you off. You're like, oh. Absolutely. He's definitely not him then. (laughs) It's great. This this worked on me when I saw this. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because they put him through the rigors, and you're like, oh. (laughs) It makes sense based on what we think we know are the rules of vampires in this particular movie. They're bullshit right. in this movie because they don't work on Max. Max is more powerful than that. Feldman just fucking leaning into Max, just like watching everything he does. 
They put all the garlic in the Parmesan. He's like, oh, it's not cheese. It's garlic. I bet you hate garlic, don't you? <laughs> no, no, I like it. It's just a little much. <laughs> they try dumping water in his crotch. They just act like demons. They're like little Total gremlins. Little monsters, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking shit, though, is when they, the dude puts the candles out, they kill the lights. Feldman's like, he's not glowing. Not glowing. Get the mirror in front of his face. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sam, what has gotten into you? And of course, he leaves. He's like, look, I'm not trying to steal your mother away from you. I would like to just be your friend. And this is the moment in the movie you're like, oh, you guys fucked up. You feel bad for Max. This, this is good. This works. It's totally true. Yeah, you're like, okay. Right? There's no... Because, I mean, we really haven't seen any other evidence at this point that shows he is even any, to be any evidence other than his dog. at all. Other than the right. way his dog responded to her, which could be passed off as he's just territorial about the, about the house, he doesn't know her, right? And right. you and you just waltz in, <laughs> protecting. But next mother. time you come over to my place and I'll cook. Um, I like how he says the boys need discipline; otherwise, they'll run all over you. I like that. That's almost him equating his relationship totally. with David. Totally. It's really good. Like I. I love thinking about what Max's actual mission here is about like he is looking for some other adult to help him rein in his vampire boys. Like he, <laughs> he really, they make the joke in the movie, but he is looking for a Brady bunch. He's looking for a fucking Jane Brady to like, all right, help mom, my boys. Yeah. I need somebody. He, he has that moment where he says, protecting mother. It's almost condescending. <laughs> protecting mother. Because she's like, oh no, he doesn't walk all over me. He's like, ah, protecting mother. And then we get that shot of granddad kind of peeking on that conversation. I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, Michael goes to see the crew. He grabs David. Where is she? <laughs> Take it easy, Michael. <laughs> Dude, he's so nonplussed. <laughs> Always. Where's Star David? Michael, you ever want to see Star again? You better come with us now. And dude, and thus comes what a scene. The sequence that again changed <sighs> how I thought about vampires. It's brutal. More so than just stylistic. Exactly. Like I still was coming from this Bella Lugosi, Christopher Lee, vampires bite you on the neck and suck you dry and drop your, your drained body and they hiss at anybody. They don't rip them. you apart. This dude just ripping people apart, biting into people's skulls, fucking throwing their corpses onto fires. I was like, holy shit. It's this great. is a different level this is a whole different thing yeah and them not just like you can tell they're not out here just drinking like oh it's time to feed we have to sustain ourselves no they're out here for the fucking thrill of it Dude. the hunt of fucking killing people hell yeah the way they are all clamored up in the tree there's that great shot of them just in the trees it's so primal yeah you know and this I mean? was also i saw i feel like i saw this movie then the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and then a couple years later, Near Dark. Um, so that's kind of where I was vampire-wise. But in my mind, too, this is also one of the very first movies that where, for vampires, their faces actually changed more so than just fangs pop out. Hmm. Like, that was, that was a new element for me, too. Like, their eyes change. Their brows change. Yeah, absolutely. They um, look cool. 
Man, it's wild. You don't want to miss this, Michael. They, by the way, all these extras are called surf Nazis. <laughs> really? Yeah, isn't that weird? There, there was a couple of corny, cheesy, low-budget '80s movies called something, something, yeah. something. Surf Nazis, surf Nazis yeah. must die or something. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that's it, so fucking funny. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's a weird thing, and they're they're listening to fucking Run DMC and Aerosmith that that walk this way, right? Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they did it together, <laughs> you don't want to miss this, Michael. Let's have a listen. Really gonna destroy. Time to join the club. Time to join the club. <laughs> so awesome, dude. Just them all laughing with their fangs bearing. And they just rip these fucking people apart. So crazy. Marco looks the scariest, man. He's like, he looks like a crazy vampire with his sauce curls. There's that uh, bat sound effect. See you later. Yeah, good shit, man. Awesome scene. Rip them apart. Dude. Ridiculous. Yeah. They just come in and decimate these guys. Yeah. And Michael watches and starts to get that vampiric bloodlust where he starts to sweat, starts to kind of want to be involved, but he resists it. He pulls back and falls out of the tree, and, and they all come over the rise. Do you know what's cool about the, the term decimate? It um, Historical might kill one in every 10 as a punishment for the whole group. Oh. Pretty cool. Like, it makes sense. Dessa. Dessa. Yeah. Dessa. Latin, dude. Interesting. Yeah. Taken as a 10th. So, kill one in every 10. And then it got huh. more, more present to kill, destroy, remove a large percentage of, drastically reduce the strength of effectiveness. Fucking awesome. But, um, yeah, man, this... Um, I remember the scene very distinctly. The the biting into the into the uh, bald head and the squirting blood. I remember that. Um, apparently, yeah. um, in the documentary "Blood Sucking Cinema," Corey Haim said that the blood actually had glitter in it. So I guess they did glitter first um, to give it a shimmering effect, and it was slimier than fake blood. Pretty wild. Weird. Who knew? <laughs> so they did beat Twilight to the sparkle. They they, they did. Um, but I like this. I like I like how. David's blood gets up here. Um, he starts to kind of get f- pulled into this a little bit. He starts to, quote, vamp out. But this scene is just so powerful. The scalping of the guy. Michael starts to go bananas. Close shots. There's that scene where Dwayne just has one of their arms, like, dangling. And they just start yeah. chucking their corpses onto the fire. It's fucking awesome. They're Paul, so the, the vampire wild. Paul's hair looks like Axl Rose. I'm talking like cocaine Axl Rose, heroin Axl Rose, <laughs> like right out of 89. Right. It's right. awesome, what I, man. What I like about this too, it's almost like they overplay their hand a little bit. They're trying, they're, they're still on this luring of Michael in, you know, trying to lure him in. You know, he's got these urges. He's got the urge to feed. He's already been, you know, he's already drank the blood, but... They go out here because they've been doing this for at least for a while now, maybe a month or two, maybe a little more of going out and killing people and feeding and becoming just like wild savages about it. And they still don't realize how awful it is, like how awful it looks to somebody else, like how Michael is able to resist this, I think, because of how terrible they are, <laughs> like yeah. because of just how brutal they are. And he's like, God, I don't want to be like you guys. It was a real hard close. 
It was a real hard <laughs> yeah, close. Yeah. Slay, they, a little too hard. Now you, you, you know scare what, them away. Now you know what we are. Now you know what you are. You'll never grow old, Michael, and you'll never die. Damn. damn. But you gotta feed. <laughs> gotta suck that blood, dog. Gotta do it. Gotta do it. And then murder them all and throw them onto the fire. But let me know real loss, right? <laughs> Rip them apart like they're bags of sand. Fuck Yeah, them. fuck them. Blood bags, all of them. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so um, he comes home and he talks to Sam. Right. Tells him to lock all the windows and doors, get in your bed. Mm-hmm. They're He's fucking like, after don't, me. Don't kill me, Michael. I'm basically a good kid. That's cute. Come on, I'm a good kid. <laughs> Tell me who the main guy is, and we'll kill him. And um, he's like, we thought it was Max, and now it isn't. So, bummer. Ooh. Also, so. I love that the gypsy can fly. She's like, into the window. <laughs> Fling, I'm here. Mm. <laughs> That's when he starts questioning her. What did I... She's one of them. She's one took of me. them. <laughs> <laughs> Gets in the bed all fucking curled up. Yeah. Blanket over him. And I like this, man. I like, it's complicated because of their feelings for one another. It's complicated because of her loyalty to David. It's, she cares for Michael. She's in a tough spot. She's in a tough spot for a vampire girl. That wasn't wine they gave me blood. David's blood. You drank someone's blood. Are you crazy? And that's, um, you know, that's kind of, she's like, well, I told you. It's blood. And you kind of laughed at me. So joke's on you. Yeah, you didn't take me seriously, so... You're a half-vampire. Kind of sucks, mm, yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, but this is when she also reveals, you know, that it's. I came here to tell you it's not too late for you. You can be changed back, but it's harder and harder for me to resist the urge, to resist the urge to take a kill and become a full vampire. Yep. Wow, here's some connections. Both of the two 1987 movies about a family of vampires who lure a young man and make him a half vampire before he's eventually cured <laughs> and the uh, Near Dark and the Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. Feature a son of Jason Miller. Josh John Miller is in Near Dark and his half-brother Jason Patrick is in the Lost Boys. Oh, shit. Dude, that family was just destined to make the first good vampire movies. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Is Josh John Miller the guy who plays Caleb? No, he's the little boy. Oh, okay. I'm looking at him now. Not so little. Did <laughs> they do grow up? Yeah he he looks like he's going for Robert Smith in this one picture. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, yeah, he's um he's the little boy vampire with the little pistol. Old man, they call him, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. And he wants the little girl, all that bullshit. Anyway, moving past that. You were supposed to be my first, right? That's where it is. First kill. And that's what David wanted. So they're grooming him to slaughter him. And then now they're not. So now they're grooming him to recruit him, basically. Because she couldn't kill him. Because you care about me so much. He's all mad. She's like, I do. She's like, yeah, I do. I kind of do. You got very beautiful lips. <laughs> so fuckable. <laughs> but that's when she flies out. Yeah, he makes her he he disses her, right? Yeah, he's all harsh on her. You're them, you brought me into this, you got me involved. And she knows it. Yep. I was hoping um you'd help Laddie and me. He kinda laughs. <laughs> but the next day 
in come the Frog Boys. Yeah. The Frog Boys. Where's the Vampiro? You know their badasses when they roll up on their BMXs. So good. And then they just dump them. You know, they dump them. Where's Nosferatu? The Prince of Darkness, the Nightcrawl, the Bloodsucker, El Vampiro. Mike, they're here. <laughs> this ominous shot of Grandad making that giant steak with the spike yes, up. dude. What the <laughs> fuck? Oh, Did man. Grandpa already know what was going on? Was he like, ah, more vampires. He right, 100% get ready. does. Yeah. <laughs> he knows his vampires. He says it at the end. It's true. It's true. But I'm like, does he know they're encroaching? He's like, all right, better go ahead and get the defenses up. I guess, man. But they take off. They take his car. Take his and they're car. going to their lairs. These guys are killers. So are the Frog Brothers. <laughs> Cut to them checking each other's fucking stakes on their backs. <laughs> They're in way over their head, but through dumb luck and the, and the power of their archetypical monster hunters, they managed to do some shit. Hell yeah. They drag, the, they... They drag Laddie out and they drag Star out. They get them out of there. And I love how their, their knowledge of vampires is still limited by like pop cultural knowledge in the comics or they're like, well, we got to find the coffins. It's got to be a coffin sure. here somewhere. And eventually we get that great reveal of when they look up and they're <sighs> all hanging from the fucking ceiling. Ah, it's so good. So creepy, man. Because they're so in their clothes, creepy. but they got their little nasty toes out. I love it. I <sighs> love it. You know what happens, too? What's so funny to think about, the idea of them waking up like nightfall comes. It's time to feed. And they're all like, hi-ya! Nice. Yeah, like fucking being wild. Out. And then they, no, they, then they land down, and they all have to sit down and put their boots on. <laughs> they're I all like that. shimmy in their little boots on. They're like, oh, hold on, dude. All right, you know, I got to get the feather in my laces again. Hold on, chill. <laughs> all right, just tying. Everybody's <laughs> sitting around, fucking waiting for a minute. Like, okay, all right, now our shoes are on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> fucking flying out of there they probably have their boots in like their back pockets or some shit and they put them on mid-flight in the air <laughs> yeah air they put their <laughs> boots on in the air <laughs> born a slacker always a slacker these Hell fucking yeah. gen xers Hell vampires yeah. so here's what happens i think i'm trying to imagine how this goes when they become vampires and michael's like all right marco look at your toes he's like whoa man far out he's like <laughs> he's teaching him how to like grip stuff with his feet so he knows how to sleep properly this like they have to have on to a pole. Hang on the pole, Marco. You can do it. Use your toes. <laughs> Forget Bill. Uh, Marco gets it here, and it is intense, dude. I love how big this moment is. <sighs> it's a massive one, and even the other, you know, even Sam's not like, happy. Ah, just wait, just don't. Like, let's not do this yet. Yeah, yeah. But, but fucking Edgar's like, no, goodbye, you fucking scum stabs it all the way through him dude wakes up screaming yikes spraying vampire blood everywhere what a mess nothing quiet about it good shot though by uh feldman true you got one smoked him you're dead meat david yells (laughs) dead meat it's cool they kind of pop down they're trying to get out of there they're trying to get david He's trying to get his hand into the sun, which they eventually do. And he has to back off. And the tear on his face, he just says, tonight. Dude, you know what's so great is what that's from, too, is back then, 
they had not developed the more like thin, malleable contacts that we use now. So for those big colored ones, they are straight up glass. Those yeah, are like heavy. Painful. Yeah, heavy glass contacts. They could only film with them in for four to five minutes at a time, and then they'd have to let them take them out, take a break. But in that scene, he had had them in for a while, and his eyes were just killing him. So they had actually just watered up, and a tear came down. But it's like, perfect. perfect. So they kept it in. It's like, it's fantastic. It works so well for the scene that he lost one of his first brothers that he brought in. Right. It's awesome. And when the Frog Brothers come bombing down the stairs, covered in slime, <laughs> they're like, wow, we, we did this. Like, it's cool because we get to see them. It's official. They have, it's such a panic moment. We unraveled the enemy. It's not our fault. They talked. <laughs> it's like they opened their mind. They opened their eyes and did a mind scramble on us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they take off. And um, they get back to the house because they have to have their final showdown at the house. Oh, yeah. Got to. And this is only after they get completely ready, of course. Yeah. Um, Super fucking 80s style. This is like Home Alone with vampires. Exactly. I love it. I fucking love it. Getting the the fucking bathtub of holy water and garlic ready. <laughs> they uh. steal it from the church. They tell grandpa he's got to leave early. They set the traps. They get the place going. Die, vampire. Like he's smashing all the garlic. So much garlic. But the holy water with garlic in it, man, that's a double wang. That's that's a double I, fucking whacker, dude, right? I love that. I love – dude, I can't even tell you how much nine-year-old Matthew was about that. Hell like yeah. that is brilliant. You got extra – you got a backup you know, thing in your own weapon. It's holy water and it's garlic. Oh, fucking hell yeah. Yeah. Kick ass all around. So mom is with Max. and is nightfall. They wake up and boy, they must be mad. And it starts immediately. They have to go out to get Nanook. They run Nanook back in. Of course, they have the classic trope where they trip on the way back into the run. Um, Edgar has the uh, the face paint on. He's ready to go. They're all geared up again, right? Oh, yeah. They're ready, ready oh, to yeah. rock. And um, we are uh, exploding into the house through the chimney. <laughs> I mean, okay. it's like... The Antichrist of Santa Clauses, but okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and they just are on the run. And sadly, you got Edgar fucking up because he's chasing her. And then you got Paul in the room with both of them. He's like, you're mine. He easily. Well, now they're, they're awake. They, they're no match for them, right? He oh, just yeah. slaps the, 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 he slaps the shit out of their hands. They do manage to splash them in the water a little bit, which gives them a moment. Try holy water, death breath. <laughs> enough time off. for Nanook to be like, come here, bitch. I'm going to charge you. And Nanook <laughs> just flies <laughs> at his face. So good. Boom. Rocks him. Down he goes. And boy, good death. Into the tub and thus he melts. Yeah. Ah, it's hardcore. Nanook's like, yeah, I got that shit. Just licking my I chops. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's a, a kill for me. Asses. It's a kill for me. You guys got Marco sleeping. I get. I get Paul. <laughs> I got one <laughs> they, standing they clutch up each other. And, yeah, man. The, the pipes explode. I mean, this is goofy eighty shit, but it happens. <laughs> and then this shit, I love. Um, first, we have Dwayne facing off with Sam. Sam managed to kill him with a bow. Dwayne that kind of deserved is. it. Dwayne, you deserved it. You should have. <laughs> I love when he's like, you miss, sucker. 
Sucker. The way he says it with like the fangs in his mouth, (laughs) the prosthetics. Sucker. (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't have taunted him. That's a thing. They love taunting. They love playing games and it gets them killed. It gets them fucking His death is cool. Like the electrocution looks wild. Oh, it looks fantastic. Suh, suh, 80s. Dude, the hands blowing off is bitching. (laughs) I just love how over the fucking top it is. It's ridiculous. Um, But yeah, him getting with the bow and arrow is cool. I mean, it just looks good. How about this shit here, man? I love this shit with Michael and David. And you just see how outmatched Michael is against David. And I love how he thinks. Like Michael at first is taking on like, oh, you're you're being coy and you're fucking not facing me full on. But David's just laughing. Like dude. he's like, no. like, dude. I hey, am just with hey, Michael, come on, dude. Like he's up in the rafters. I love that. I love when the light hits him and he's squatting up there like a beast. Oh yeah. And then just boom, he hits him, and then he's right back up in the rafters. This is what I'm saying. Like he's so fast. Like, you don't even see him coming. He smashes you. He laughs, and he's back up on the rafters, and that light, it's lighting him from the bottom. He looks amazing. Oh, he looks so good. There. Looks cool, huh? It's a great <laughs> shot. So many memorable shots in this movie, and that's one of them. And he steps, like, the way they light that, he, ste- he, he, like, he ducks into the light from the shadow. It's just cool. Right. And then right. when they fight, I'm like, yeah, they're fighting. And I was like, ah. You, sh- yeah, you shouldn't have died. Should have killed him so easy. <laughs> you don't like how he dies? I mean, I don't love it. That's one of my pet peeves of the movie is kind of the way both Max and him, he's just like, ah, he wins. He's- it is a little, I, I'll say this. Maybe, maybe I, if Star distracts him or something, I would have dug that. I mean, I, I like his actual death. I just don't like the way that, I just Dang. don't like that Michael gets him like that. Same. I actually like the way he dies. I like the music rising mm-hmm. up over him dying. I like cool. him getting impaled that way and everything's cool. Bright maybe light on his face. Been, <laughs> maybe it should have been more of a fight. Maybe it should have been a more of a struggle for us to get to that point. I, I can see. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But I do really like the imagery of him being fully impaled. Hell yeah. Looks awesome. It looks fucking cool. Yeah. And later when Max looks at him, he just looks like a young man, like a young kid. Not kid, but... A very young man, like no longer afflicted as a vampire. It looks quite mortal. Right, right. He just looks like a person. But yeah, the cries sound as he's as he's dying with the light on him. So looks cool. Good. It's so good. I'm into it, man. Yeah, and it's, it's awesome. It's cinematic as shit. They realize he's dead, and Michael's like, keep them away from me. Nothing's happening. There's got to be another vampire. And in rolls Max. Mom comes in with Max, and she's like, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. He walks over, and he looks at David, and he takes off his glasses. (laughs) That's Ah. how you know. I'm sorry, Lucy. This is all my fault. David and my boys misbehaved. But I told you, boys need a mother. (laughs) Um, Who's this? Don't ever invite a vampire into your house, you silly boy. Yeah. Cool shot. Cool cinematic shot of of his profile with the lion behind him. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. That is true. Of hanging over the fireplace right next to his head. Yeah, dude. And then, um, well, I am the head vampire. <laughs> That's that. And I'm pretty much 
a match for anyone. Nobody can stop me. Nobody can do anything. I grab Sam. I'm holding him by his head. I pitch Michael to the side like he's fucking nothing. Easily. Uh-huh. And a grandpa's truck comes in and kills me. Movie over. La cucaracha. La cucaracha. And he's dead. That's it. Come on, movie. I mean, you are kind of right. It's true. Come on. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It's, it's a little anticlimactic. Yeah. Um, that said, I actually love the anticlimax of the very, very end of Grandpa just going over to the fridge and Me being too. like, Yeah, no, Santa Carla. The only thing I could ever stomach because these damn vampires. That's it. Movie fucking fade to black on their faces like, holy shit, you knew about vampires? Right. The end. <laughs> That's actually fantastic. I really like that. Would have been cool if it was something set up earlier in the movie that ended up killing him. You know what I mean? That they brought back, yeah. that they set up when they showed us a little earlier. But nah. <laughs> but they all hug and it's fun. One thing about living in Connor, I never got a stomach. All the damn vampires. <laughs> Well, there you have it. Uh, Movie over. Done and done. All right. Another vampire classic under our belt. Yeah, man. I got some, I know. I got some listener comments ahead of me here. And I'm going to start with Megan Garrett. I think it's Denon. Um, Congratulations on your recent nuptials, Megan. She says, the first time I saw this movie, I think I was about eight or so. I was fascinated and also scared shitless. I started sleeping with my stuffed animals all around my neck so that vampires couldn't get me. All this is to say, 27 years later, I still love this movie and also open Chinese food takeout containers with trepidation. Can't wait for the episode. Awesome. Good shit, Megan. (laughs) Very nice. Who do you got? I got one uh, from Mr. Scott Buchanan. Kittens, what's not to love? Hot 80s vampires dressed by an 80s wardrobe queen who dressed them as 80s metal queens. My future boy... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it. My future boyfriend, Jason Patrick, all sultry and brooding 25 years before Jon Snow made it fashionable. Nice. The Corey, the Corey I always confused with Parker Lewis can't lose, and the Frog Brother I always confused with Mikey from Parker Lewis can't lose. Not to mention ghouls in Town Hall, sounds about right. Slaughter at the bonfire and neon as a design feature. May it stay forever in the 80s. Speaking of 80s queens, Joel Schumacher directed a timeless gym. Uh, Lost Boys remains fun and freaky to this day. Solely because of Lost Brothers, I can almost forgive Mr. Schumacher for his two Batman films. Almost. Almost hot, Scott. There, I gotta tell you, there's no way... On Earth, a straight man writes that post, and it is fucking beautiful. (laughs) So thank you for that post. It was glorious, and so you. (laughs) So true. Uh, And and it it taps into what I was saying earlier about like God, Joel Schumacher really does have this eye for like wild ass design, and it just gets abused on those Batman movies. It's just gross. You're like, oh no, he should have done something else. You're not wrong. Ah, fuck. Daniel Cutter. So this was my first vampire movie, and it jump-started my love affair with the genre. The cast and story are fantastic, and it's a great blend of humor and horror. It's a punk rock vampire movie, and it's so steeped in 80s visual style. Hello, half-naked man with a saxophone. It's also the best of the Corey Haim, Corey Feldman movies, and also the cast is stupid hot. There you go. Nice. Thank you for that, and also thank you for contributing. 
Um, who else? Um, oh, I got one from Miss Karen Lomas. I loved this movie, and I still watch, still will to this day watch it if it's on. It's one of my favorite go-to's vampires, hair, comedy, what's not to like. I agree with star Michael Hedick going on. Finally, uh, got to meet my longtime crush, Jason Patrick. Ooh, nice. Oh, wow. Super nice and adorable. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Um, all right. I have Tiffany. Tiffany uh, lost it. Where is it? God damn it. Ah. Tiffany Bell. This movie scared me so bad, it took me a long time for me to, quote, get over, end quote, Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> it's also the reason I love this movie, and it makes me instantly think of my siblings. LOL. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> Gary Palmer, MTV Vampires, in it. Fucking so British. In it. In it. Yeah, there we go. Who else you want to do? Anyone? Uh, I think I'm good. All right. Okay. I think I'm good, too. Um, so anything else you want to say about this one? <clears throat> Dude, it's a vampire classic. I don't yeah. think, I don't think I'm up there quite as high with it as you, a uh, little bit behind, but I still really, really enjoy this movie. Um, I so think you're saying probably, I liked it for me. Yeah. I'd probably be a liked it. There you go. Yeah. Right, liked cool. it a solid, like a very easy, no hesitation. Like this movie, like it a lot. Don't quite love it, but I do like it. Um, yeah, ooh, I, you know, if, you, if you had to make me between pick between this and Near Dark, that'd be a little tougher. I might actually, although I would, I'm leaning towards this one. It might be a little bit of just proximity bias. I've just watched it more recently. Uh, but I do enjoy the fuck out of this. I mean, everything about it just works overall. Like I said, my only thing stylistically was like <laughs> just the the shock of the silliness of shirtless oily sax man in the middle of everything really took me for a loop and made me laugh really hard uh but otherwise dude it stands the test of time it it, it is it goes beyond it embodies the 80s really well without succumbing to the worst of 80s shit that we roll our eyes at you know what i mean it that it's a hard thing to describe there are movies that are dated by being made in the 80s and there are movies that are made better by being of the 80s um, and this is one of those movies. It just it's it's good. It's good because it's from the eighties, and it's good because it advances what we thought of as vampires and how they would act and look and move and behave. It's it's fucking great, man. It's a fun ass kick ass movie. I love Tim, it. Tim Capello accepts your apology for laughing so hard at him God, that it made so you hard, probably man. not love the movie by the sound of it. So hard, like, um, like I will say maybe that horse. Yeah, it's weird. I, I know that um, I know that the that '80s is a is a particular style, um, but I think it's uh, I think it, it definitely has that stylistic bend to it as a result of it being a movie of the '80s and it is of that time. Um, but I also I also appreciate the fact that it definitely feels like a through the looking glass movie at the same time. Like, yes, it's an '80s movie and it has some '80s humor in it now and again but it also just feels like these kids get swept up into this weird boardwalk town where people vanish and they mix up with vampires um it just happens to be set in the 80s so i almost feel like lost lost boys is a movie that takes place in the 80s and yes has some 80s movies stuff to it but it's not like an 80s movie per se like say gremlins does that make sense yeah, no, that, that's honestly what I've been trying to think about all day is in, in thinking about this movie of how, how it's 
stands out from other 80s movies yet embodies the 80s so well. Yeah, I think um, that might be what I'm saying. I, hopefully is what I'm trying to communicate. It stands out from them even though it is an 80s movie and most people, if you talk to them, say, yeah, it's just an 80s movie. It's an 80s vampires movie. And we've probably said that 10 times on this podcast, but <laughs> as I'm reflecting on it now, I just kind of think of it as it's a vampire movie from the 80s that's got some 80s stuff in it. But overall, there's this cool thing about being in this boardwalk and kind of doing this this thing. And it's cool, man. I really dig it. I think that's awesome. But um, Hell yeah. we're going to get out of here. That's it? We're done. We we're out. We're out. We're going to be recording a bonus episode on Saturday, and we're going to be covering Hellraiser, and that's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. Make sure you visit us on the web, libertystreetgeek.net. Check us out. Rate and review us if you want to. And um, we've been getting some good reviews uh, right up my alley. I like I like the reviews I'm seeing lately. So keep them coming, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, Thank you guys. Yeah. And with that, uh, I'm we're gonna get out of here. Uh, Matthew, can you grab the oil and my saxophone and let's get to work? Let's get on it. <laughs>